Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the B-Side for the Film Stage website. There's only one thing I have to say to you. Get off. Get off my plane. Nice. Well done. Get off my plane. No, too deep. (laughs) No, too gruff. Um, That's like later stage. Hey, get off my plane. Get off my plane. That's like working girl. That's what that he's like. Get off my plane. Yeah. And you're missing. I'm doing this little dance. He doesn't work in girl. Yeah. We're talking about Harrison Ford. This if you, is exciting. If you couldn't guess. Yeah. Uh, because not unlike some of the other people we've done over the course of these, you know, last year, this last year and change, um, Harrison Ford, kind of like Tom Cruise. I feel like kind of like Angela Bassett, who we were very excited about doing. Mm-hmm. He is one of these people we wanted to talk Denzel. about. Yeah. Denzel. Denzel, right. Oh, my yeah. God. Of course. And he's just one of the big... He's Yeah, he's we were kind of like movie waiting star, right? for him to make... For, for him to have another movie coming Sure. Out. I'm sure we even talked about like, oh, Secret Life of Pets 2. He does a voice. Should yeah, we, we tried. We episode? definitely danced around. And I'm sure we were like, no, no. Um, but so with the release of what I'm sure by now, you know, is the masterpiece, the call of the wild. Of course. Of course. Which in all seriousness, I'm excited for. Yes. I I'm not ashamed to say it will be, I believe it will be not just not quite. If you're listening to this, the day that it airs, uh, I, I believe it, but comes maybe out the you're next in day. one of the yeah. very long lines to see it. Sure. Of course. Right. I think of course. I made a joke or one of us made a joke on the B side Twitter that this movie, The Call of the Wild, felt like a pre-made B-side for Harrison Ford. Sure. Um, and who knows? Maybe it will be. Maybe, maybe, we'll, be. We'll, maybe we'll even talk about it real quick on the um, animated dog. Whatever been episode we record of, after it. You know, Flack, um, which, you know, look. What I, are your thoughts on it? I'm excited. You're pro, are you are you pro animated dog? Well, so here's my reasoning. Okay, sure. Chris Sanders is the director. Mm-hmm. Okay, How to Train Your Dragon. Yes, mm-hmm. and I would have to think his pitch, right? And it's now a Disney movie, right? It's the first. It was Fox, but it's the first, right? Twentieth century. Not, oh, right. Not twentieth century Fox. Is it going to be twentieth century studios? I think so. Is that I think mean, I, I believe this is the first twentieth century studios. Interesting. Right? So anyway. I would have to imagine when Chris Sanders goes into Fox and pitches them on the Call of the Wild, which is one of I will say is one of my favorite books. Um, Jack London is one of my favorite authors. I've read, you know, The Iron Will, uh, or sorry, The Iron Will, The Iron Heel is a is a favorite book of mine. White Fang, Call of the Wild, right? Um, so, on that alone, I'm excited for the Call of the Wild, right? Because I love the book growing up, and I've and I've read it since, and, I, and I'm excited for that now. My point with Chris Sanders is he comes from animation, so I would imagine part of his pitch was like, hey, look, let's animate the fucking, you know, dog and the other animals. Partly because if you have read The Call of the Wild, there's a lot of crazy stuff that Buck, the dog, gets into. Not that you can't, obviously, you know, there's been myriad of movies with good, amazing animal performances. So you could do it, but I would imagine, I don't know, the pitch is just like, look, Harrison can go out there. We can film in this many days with the green whatever, and we yeah. can do whatever we want. And, you know, it, it, I think people have been saying it looks silly, ridiculous, whatever. I mean, who knows? I think at this point, you know, I, I my point is I'm looking forward to it. It feels like, you know, and we'll get into it with some of these picks for our B-sides. It feels like one of these Ernest Harrison Ford movies that I'll probably allow to win me over. Sure, sure. And so in that respect, I'm looking forward to it. So... 
We'll see. What about you? Are you? Do you care about? I. It? I mean, not really. I get. I mean, how many more Harrison Ford movies are we? Well, that's sort of that's kind of that's where I stand on. You know? I'm kind of excited for it just because of that, right? Like it's. I mean, know. and I'm the guy who can't wait for Indy Five. I'm the only one, right? I mean, well, maybe you. If it ever, you if it the ever, yeah, worth it too. Who yeah. lo- kind of loved ever, Crystal Skull? Or we it, out here? Yeah, just alone in our corner. I'm sure there's defending a, Crystal. There's Skull. a corner of the internet that occurs um, with us somewhere, maybe dark and sad. Um, but I, no, I mean, I'm, I kind of agree with your sentiment that like, yeah, how many more Harrison Ford movies are we going to get? Right. So I'll take, I'll, I'll frankly take whatever I can at this point. And, um, he seems right for it too, which is, it's not even just like, he's just doing a movie. Like it feels, I don't know that all, it all feels like it works with him, which is cool. I will say I was talking with, um, Past and future guests, Alex Sherman, right? Who's sort of a he was on a John he, Carpenter episode. Yeah, it's a good episode. You should, you should listen to if you haven't. Right. Um, he's got a lot of good insights, but he is a you know a, vi- a visual effects guy. And we were talking about his whole thing was what's weird about the trailer isn't that the dog isn't real; it's that the dog is doing things that a real dog would not do, like facially, right? So I, yeah, I mean we. Yeah, we t- me and you actually talked about this briefly. Where yeah. you think about right, Jungle Book, right, had the animals doing animated things, kind of. Yeah, it worked. Right, partly because of the narrative, what what have you, and then of course the Lion King. They went out of the way, and they were very honest about this. They went out of their way to avoid any sort of facial like contortion. That. Right. So, but it's boring. It's well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's rather dull. Yeah, right? because. You know, and, um, you know, this has been tread in other podcasts, but basically when you go that way, as we learned, you know, when, if you watch the, you know, the quote unquote, you know, action cap live action capture, whatever they ended up calling it of Lion King, you know, it's, it's animated to look real, right? Yeah. Is the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not a lot of emotion because animals, right. Don't you project your emotions onto, onto the animals, them, right? right? Like me and my wife think our amazing cat Milo is sad and is happy and is judging us. But of course, if we're honest with ourselves, that's all projection. It's all projection, I mean, yeah. He's just waiting for us to feed him. And if he was bigger, he would eat us, right? I mean, that's, you know, like, you know, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, and he, I think he appreciates us, but God knows, you know, yeah. he's just kind of biding his time. You know, right. Little does he know, you know, there won't be enough time. Right. We, I mean, we will win. Yeah. But, um, but like if you, God forbid, died in your sleep, like, and nobody was feeding right. him like he would, he would eat. get around him. he would yeah eat once yeah exactly once yeah. we got soft enough Ooh, very gross um so harrison ford and by the way no guests today that's no it's well just established. yeah it's just, just connor us. and dan hey just, us. just connor and dan a couple guys talking about harrison, harrison ford. ford harrison ford born in july 1942 currently 77 years young mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i think look I think Harrison Ford's one of these guys. He is simultaneously underrated and overrated, right? Because he is arguably, and I don't even know how much of an argument this is. He's arguably the greatest movie star of all time in terms of just his hold on pop culture. Like just Hans the Solo, multiple fran- and yeah, Jones, the multiple and franchises Jack Ryan alone. Yeah, yeah. you kind of go like, does anybody else have that? Like Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt, fine, right? Yeah, I mean, and, like, and, and that, like that. You know what, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, like, who else has more than one? Keanu Reeves has. Well, okay, Keanu, Keanu Reeves has two. Yeah, he's, he has Neo and he has Jumper, sure. right? So that's and I mean, hey, we're a couple speedheads. He's also got Jack yeah. Driven. 
I think also so, I would argue. I mean, Will Smith. Keanu. Will Smith has it too. Like Will, we did Will. We did he, Will in the pod. Eh, he's sort what does of, he have though? He's got he's got Men in Black, Jay, right? Yeah, and he's got it's Bad Boys. Yeah, true. Wow. Yeah, he's got which Mike which has Mike which has Lowry. since proven itself to be and even I mean even right? not on like speed for Keanu. He's got the one shot of Stephen Hiller in Independence sure. Day, yes. which is like pretty big. Yeah. Welcome right. to Earth. I mean, if we're talking along those lines, like obviously Cruz has plenty of those, right? Like one one shot things of like few good men, yeah. like the hits that you remember, and obviously, yes, but, but not. But in terms of franchises, uh, I do like Jack Reacher. You know what I mean? Two movies, yeah, but that you know, doesn't kind of low even, ball. It's like one and a half. Movies, yeah, low five. I mean? It's like I mean, we can't never go back, dude. Yeah. Um. But so anyway, point is, he's one of our great movie stars, right? Our one of our great American movie stars. And I think the knock on him, Harrison Ford, was always kind of like, he's a pretty normal dude, right? Like he's pretty blah. So the the trick though is that that's his that's what works, asset, right? So yeah. just referencing Roger Ebert in his The Fugitive review, I think he says it pretty succinctly. He says, I'll link to this in the article. He says, Ford is once again the great modern movie everyman. Dogged, determined, brave, and not, not demonstrative. As an actor, nothing he does seems merely for show. And in the face of his melodramatic material, he deliberately plays down, lays low, gets on with business instead of, instead of trying to exploit the drama in meaningless acting flourishes. And I feel like that is a perfect paragraph describing the thing about Harrison Ford. It's like, he kind of is just doing the job. And by happenstance, it just works really well. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's kind of the thing with him. And even with these B-sides, and um, I'll let you, Connor, kind of name the the ones we're going to focus on. He's got a lot. It's funny. We, we talked about how Tom Cruise doesn't have a lot of them. Harrison Ford has a lot more than you would think. Yeah. We're yeah. only going to touch four or five. Yeah, we're going we'll to jump others, around. We'll mention a couple others, but he, we're going to jump around he's a made. Bit. He's made a – I mean, he's been around. My man's been around. Yeah, we're going to jump around sort of a, a little bit through sort of the various phases of his career. Um, we're going to start. I mean, he had been, you know, we always talk about whether or not they were an established movie star at a certain point. He obviously was established by the point that we're going to start. But, well, yeah, uh, 77. But this is, is going right. to be post Oscar nomination for Witness. Witness. Right. So it's 85. Yeah. So it's uh, 86, the Mos- right. uh, Mosquito Coast. Uh, and then right after that is 88 Frantic. Um, and then we are going to jump ahead 10 years to 98 to uh, to cover six days, seven nights. Uh, and then we are going to jump ahead again to 2010 to quickly talk Morning Glory. Uh, and then we're going to jump five more years um, sort of the same year he reemerged as Han Solo. He also was in the Age of Adeline, playing one Doctor Jones. Doctor Jones, yep. So before we jump into it, I was doing this before the before the podcast, and I kind of wanted to spring it on you, Connor, because I'm sure you'll have your opinions. Sure. I decided to kind of go through Harrison Ford's performances and rank my kind of favorite Harrison Ford performances. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just going to give them to you. Yeah. I'm just, I'll it. get your reaction. Hit, hit me. Okay, here we go. I'll give you my, it's top 10, but I'll give you five honorable men. Sure, sure, sure. Here we go. Oof, yeah. This is going to be, okay. But I think this is good. This is going to kind of establish, I really like this guy. And I think even this list will speak to kind of hidden depths of him a little bit. All right. So number 15, honorable Mensch, Air Force One. 
Ooh, which okay. is low, but I think that movie, he's kind of in cruise control. Yeah, right? he's done he, better versions of that. You know, get off my plane. Yeah, he's, well, he's, he's like, President a, he's Jim like Marshall. A, he, and he's like a saltier version of Jack Ryan. Great performance. Bit. Nothing yeah. against it, but okay. Number 14, Sabrina. A movie like that, that is underrated. Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily with you. Sydney Pollack. You, you, you like the remake more, correct? I do like yeah. the remake more. I feel like I've said that. I don't know if I quite agree with that, but I do agree with that he feels more perfect in that role yeah, and than, that's than why, Bogart yeah, does. I've said that's, I think, yeah. why I like the movie more. I think Harrison Ford is better cast as Linus Larrabee, and I feel like that's the big point. And also the John Williams score. And also, you know, look, Sidney, not that Sidney Pollack is a, was, a, was a very patient director. Mm-hmm. And I think that could get you into trouble. We'll talk about briefly about Random Hearts, right? Where like, I think if you're resting on your laurels within the frame a little bit too much, you can kind of lose focus. Which sure. I think does happen, did happen to Sidney Pollack once or twice. But I think it works in Sabrina. I feel like it's a really measured movie. It's funny when it wants to be. And I think as I go on this list, you'll see like the I, funny Ford is kind of the secret weapon for mm-hmm. me. Number um, 13, a little movie called The Conversation. Ooh, yeah. Where he's the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, he's, he's not in it a ton. He's not in it a ton. But he's wearing the hell out of a sweater. Yeah. So we went to school. One of our teachers, Mike Bocard, he- Bocard? Bocard. Bocard? Mike Bocard. Sure. Mike, hopefully you're listening and sorry about that. But <laughs> Mike, who we loved, he- he was an editor. He's still an editor. He works with, uh, he, you know, still working up there in Buffalo where we went to school. He always said, he had a funny story about how he said his 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 wife always said that hair, evil Harrison Ford in that sweater in the conversation is like the most handsome man she's ever seen. <laughs> like, just like, and if you go back and watch at the end of the conversation, he has this really menacing moment mm-hmm. where Gene Hackman is basically threatened by Harrison Ford's boss, who's Robert Duvall. Mm-hmm. And Hackman basically is like, like he thinks he's basically what he's done, he believes will, will be a death sentence for one of the people he's been following, right? It's mm-hmm. all, you know. And as he's getting in the elevator, Harrison Ford looks at him and it's like, you know, Gene Hackman's trying to ask, what's going to happen to the girl, whatever. And, and Harrison Ford just goes, we'll see. And it's oh, like, God. Very yeah. Very creepy. So, yeah. It's very it's sort menacing. of like him doing a version, like a slightly maybe less offensive version of the Martin Landau character from North kind by Northwest. Of. A little bit less, right? A little bit less, uh, you know, a, a, that effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And so it. Well, it's 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 and it's once again, you know, his his range might not be broad as mm-hmm. an as a performer, but I think he caught his nuances within whatever his mm-hmm. window is. Are pretty impressive because, like in that movie, yeah, he's not in it a lot. And then, obviously, if you've seen, not to overly give away the conversation, but there is kind of a, there's a bit of a twist. There's a bit of a turn. A bit. There's yeah. no. There's, I'm just trying to. Yeah, it makes it makes some moves. So so even seek it out. Conversation is like one of the greatest I'm, movies. The best movie. Yeah. So anyway, check that out. Uh, number twelve, I put forty two. Ooh, Branch Ricky. Because he's playing Branch Ricky. Yeah. It's not the best movie, obviously. It's pretty standard. Jackie Robinson biopic. Uh, Brian Helgeland directed it. Um, I think it's a good performance. Like he, It's yeah. really one of his only, like, he's doing a real-life person. He, K-19, The Widowmaker, he's obviously, he's doing Russian. That's obviously not as successful. No, but he's doing, like, an, a little bit of impersonation. And, like, oh, right, Branch Ricky. He's, he's sort of trying to do the thing 
that you were just saying Ebert mentions he does not do, right? He is doing some yeah, kind of showy Yeah, it's a bit more showy dramatic. Yeah. So there's limitations to it, but it really works for me. Number 11, Presumed Innocent. Oh, God, that movie's fucking great. Um, underrated movie. That movie, hon- that movie hones in on something we'll talk about more as, as we go through all these movies. He's um, kind of in conversation land a little bit on yes. purpose in that. That's also a twisty movie. Yeah, that's a great movie um, as well. Great. Talking to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Twist. Presumed Innocence. Seek it out. It's great. Um, all right. Number 10. Ace also a good line. John Williams score. Number Presumed Innocence. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. And Sabrina. Yep. There's another mm-hmm. great. Okay. Yep. Number 10, Age of Adeline. We'll get to it. Number nine, Morning Glory. We'll get wow, to it. You put it no, above. Wait for it. That's dude. a little too high. You I, frankly, you I don't, don't even know. Okay. Number eight. Six Day Seven Nights. Oh, we'll get to it, my friend. Uh, so this is Funny Ford, though. This is all Funny Ford. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk sure. Number <laughs> number so seven, high. Working Girl. Great, great performance. Great. Jack Trainer. Maybe classic. should be higher, but go on. Well, but hang on. I'm going to list the ones, okay. and you're going to be like, no. Yeah. Okay, okay. Sure. Number six, Witness, which feels Amazing. like a crime to even put it at six. Yeah. Right? No, that's that's like top five for me yeah for number sure. five is frantic which we'll talk about mm-hmm. i love his performance it's a great performance and then the top four is kind of what you would think right it's four is the fugitive amazing mm-hmm. could could be one i mean in a lot of ways the fugitive i feel like is maybe the harrison ford performance in a lot of ways Probably. and that's the thing we're even, how about this? yeah we're talking about his iconic performances i didn't even mention dr richard kimball is like equal to jack sure and almost equal to i mean that's yeah that's a monster nominated for best picture i mean you know so yeah yeah, dude is a monster star. A three, I have Indiana Jones, which okay. I mean, you know, if you know me, yeah, Indy or die, so yeah, that, that hurt. But I do feel like when you think about culture, number two is Star Wars because Han Solo. It's you just you put Solo above Indiana. I think Indiana Jones. I was just thinking about it. It's just that the Han Solo character. I mean. It forms so much of culture. He has also, I, I, I mean, I, mean, I think Indiana Jones not. does too. But I get, he, yeah, of course. He, but I'm I think the same level. I what I like, don't get me wrong. I I'm an indie guy. If like I had, if you put me on a desert island, you're like you can only have the four indie movies or all of the Star Wars canon. I'm picking indie every single time. I would probably agree with that. I'm just saying. But but I think I think the thing with him is Indiana Jones. The reason I would swap those two, I don't even, I don't even actually know if Han Solo would crack my top five. Well, uh, just Harrison mean, as a performance, you mean? I just, yeah, like I, I just, I don't, into I don't count cultural relevance. Sure, well. but I think if I'm ranking because, them no, as performances, account the cultural re- relevance of Six Day Seven Nights. I mean, we all remember we talk. Who could forget it? the cultural relevance of just morning any day you're glory. walking down? Oh my God, you're walking down the street. You go to get, you know, I, you know, you got cut a meat from I'll the butcher, and he'll be your, like, he'll just be like, uh, I'll let six. you. Well, number one, I feel like we have to agree on. Yes, yeah, I think it's the mosquito coat. Yes, it's not close. Yeah, no, it's his personal favorite. It's a Revelation, yeah, it's, it's great, unbelievable. And it's it an amazing to a career that he he actively uh, decided to not pursue. But you know what? I am surprised is not on that list of all the. I mean, it's it's Ender's your list. Game, I know. It's of course no. Uh, game, and no paranoia. Um, no. Um, is Blade Runner? Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, I know. I thought about it. I thought just yeah, because I think he's. I think he is obviously. I mean, like obviously Rick Deckard, one of the other iconic characters. Right, twenty forty nine. That he has. I think twenty forty nine allowed him to like. Obviously, he's not in a ton of the movie. Right. He's basically in like forty minutes. It is it. It is the epitome of like a wonderful supporting performance though, because he makes every minute he's in the movie count. Yeah. Um, and I think his. 
his particular reaction, which we'll get to actually when we talk to Agent. But do you remember the scene he, in Morning Glory where he makes the frittata? <laughs> I mean, can, can spoilers, you rank dude. that? Spoilers, dude. Um, so Mosquito Coast, uh, we'll start with Mosquito Coast. Yeah, let's Coast. just dive into so it. So it's that. a good segue. Mm-hmm. Directed by Peter Weir. Post Witness. They had just worked together on Witness. Mosquito Coast was supposed to come before Witness. It was going to be Jack Nicholson. Yeah. But Which would have been interesting. I think Nicholson would have crushed yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. I, I think it would have been less interesting, though, to, to what we got. Sure. Now, I, th- you can just read this on Wiki, right, about the Mosquito Coast, allegedly, according to Wikipedia. And I do think there's a source link, actually, to this. Um, one, and I love this. This is the most Jack. We did Jack for an episode, yes. right? Yeah. This is one of the most Jack things I've ever heard of in my life. Apparently, one of the reasons the project fell apart is because they had to film some of it and they did film some of it in Belize. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and Jack Nicholson, this is the early eighties, mind you realized he learned he wouldn't be able to get Lakers games in Belize. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he dropped out. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm sure other reasons, but I do yeah. love the idea that he's like, that, he's feels, like, oh, like, that well. feels like one of those things that like, now it is the Showtime Lakers. It sure. is young magic Johnson. Sure. I'm a big NBA fan. That is Kareem. So they were good games, but, but you have to, I mean, that is, to your point, that is one of those things that I believe to be true on a very superficial level. Like, I'm sure that was yeah. a thing that Nicholson brought up as an annoyance. And then there were other reasons it fell apart. Right. And, they and somebody was just like, oh, it's because he couldn't get Lakers Yeah, you print games. the legend. Yeah. yeah. So, I okay. do love that story. Though. It's great. So, the Mosquito Coast. Now, just obviously, you know the story of, of Harrison Ford to some degree. But basically, right, he's a contract player right at the end of studio contracts in the late 60s he has bit parks and stuff like he's a he, you know he talks about this he's a bellhop in this movie dead heat on a merry-go-round he's in he's uncredited in zabriskie point he's in a movie called getting straight which i believe is is a candace bergen yeah candace bergen in uh, elliot gould right the richard rush movie and then he meets and gets cast by young George Lucas as Bob Falfa, who's one of the kind of car racers in a little movie called American Graffiti. Once he's in that brood, he meets Francis Ford Coppola. He gets a little role in a movie called The Conversation, playing Martin Stett with that amazing sweater. <laughs> and then he doesn't have a lot of success, That's right? A great and he's a carpenter, right? This is all very well documented. Right? He's a carpenter. You may be selling a little bit of weed, like all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And he starts helping George Lucas just with casting on Star Wars, in Star Wars yeah. just reading the part. And just in the process of that, they kind of realize, hey, you know what? This is the guy. And the rest, of course, is history, right? Star Wars becomes the biggest thing ever. Han Solo is the reason it is. He is the X Factor, of course. And then he makes literally like three kind of floppy movies heroes with henry winkler force 10 from navarone with carl weathers Mm -hmm. uh i think believe it's robert shaw and hanover street which is a wartime romance kind of in a row they don't really do anything he's in apocalypse now as exposition general yeah he's got that one scene good scene yeah you know whatever and his name in that colonel lucas what up Um, he's in the Frisco Kid, which I think is kind of a funny movie. If you've ever seen it with Gene Wilder, I have not. It's a slapsticky western. Mm. You know, I mean, like Gene Wilder. You know, he's one of those people. A lot of the movies didn't actually work that well. Directed by Robert Aldrich, which is insane. Oh, but yeah, it's Gene Wilder and um and basically um Harrison Ford's a bank robber that they end up kind of getting stuck together. Anyway, 
He has a cameo in more American Graffiti. Right. And then they make The Empire Strikes Back, which is 1980. And then basically that's kind of where it's like, boom. It's Empire Strikes Back, Raiders, Blade Runner, Return of the Jedi, Temple of Doom, Witness, and then we have The Mosquito Coast. And The Mosquito Coast is his first straight up flop since Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back. Blade Runner underperforms, but people regard it as a flop and it was kind of, but it didn't. If you look at it's, it, cost thirty. It made thirty, right? I think people thought it was going to be like a Star Wars. So it wasn't like some, it was like a disappointment. It wasn't like a nuclear yeah. bomb. Mosquito Coast lost money, right? Yeah. Um, only made I believe like fourteen. Million yeah, dollars made fourteen. Or cost like twenty five, yeah. right? And the basic premise of the Mosquito Coast, right? The follow up to Witness, his first uh, acting. I think in own only acting, acting Oscar, Oscar nomination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we said, Peter Weir screenplay by the one and only. Paul Schrader. Oh, right. For Mosquito, for Mosquito Coast. Coast. I'm sorry, Coast. I thought you were talking about Witness for a second. Um, the Mosquito Coast is about uh, Ford plays Ali Fox, who is a this inventor who's, he's like a genius, but he's an asshole. Right? Yeah. And he's like. <laughs> is he ever? <laughs> Helen Mirren's his wife. Amazing in this movie, yeah. I think. River Phoenix is his oldest son. They got a million kids. And he's got this like kind of job helping this farmer he's like an, with, he, yeah, he's, what, what is the what is the crop it's like asparagus asparagus yeah. and it starts with literally harrison ford uh shopping with river phoenix complaining about the state of the world just being like, yeah this 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 like you know everybody's spoiled america's going to the birds if i could i'd get out of here <laughs> like people don't understand and he goes in i love the, the opening it's like the opening scene he goes into a like hardware shop and young Jason Alexander yeah, sees yeah. him and is like, fuck this guy. Yeah. And it's a great, actually, it's, it's like one scene performance <laughs> by Jason Alexander. And Allie Fox is like, I want this. I want this kind of rope. And Al- Jason Alexander gives it to him. And he's like, no, I don't want. This was made in Japan. I want American rope. And then he does this like very offensive, like, yeah. he like, you know, he's well, like sayonara and he's like bowing and he's very mad. He's like, can't you buy American? Like I could go to other shops, right? Yeah. And what I love about that scene, right? And this is what I love about this movie and credit to Paul Schrader and credit to Peter Weir. The minute that happens, you're like, oh, this fuck, I know this guy. Yeah. You're like, no, exactly. I, I, we've all met yep. in Alley Fox. So I kind of forgot. I, I actually like, I, I saw this movie. I don't know if you had seen it before, but I, I, the first time I saw this movie, I watched it with you like 10 years ago. Yeah. Like somewhere around there. And I don't know if you had seen it before I don't know if I'd then, seen but, it before that actually. But it definitely was like a, a, a you know, a revelation of sorts for me because part, partly obviously you grow up loving Harrison Ford and you watch this like super fucking complicated, interesting, weird. He's got long hair. He's like, got, you know, rounded glasses. Oddball performance. And it's great. And it's it's the only thing I kind of remembered about the movie specifically, right? So not to obviously pick it apart too much or dive too much into it, but I just feel like in today's world, looking at Ali Fox, you're just like, oh, this fucking guy hates you so much. Like I, my, yeah. my ire or annoyance with him was tenfold from watching this movie 10 years ago. Right. But yeah, it did only enhance my love for this performance i think like it's such a well now it's it's based on a novel of the same name by paul thoreau and 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 it is one of those things where i think what's so brilliant about the character of ali fox especially the way ford plays him is like 
he's not wrong, right? Like that's almost the no. problem with this type of. He's guy the epitome. Right now, he's right? the epitome like, of like the Big Lebowski line of like you're not wrong. You're just an, an asshole. asshole, right? Yeah. And it's just like, dude. Okay, but we're all just trying to kind of you know yeah get home you know relax on the lazy boy chair right yeah there's a there's a, a deep seated self righteousness to Ali Fox that and is, also and 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 even the guy the asparagus guy Mr Polsky said he has a line which is pretty great he's like he's like you know you're a pro, your your dad's the worst kind of person where you know he, he'll he'll never shut up but sometimes he's right but anyway basically he goes to this guy who runs the asparagus farm and he's like the guy's like hey why are why is my asparagus not cool right it's dying ali was basically supposed right. to build him a cooling system for and his, being his... classic ali fox he's like hey i don't they're not cold they're not cooled but check this out while you've been waiting for me to do that i've taken your money and i've built what he calls fat boy which is this huge ice machine yeah. in which using no wires no electricity all just kind of what is a solar they don't it's got like, it's got some sort of junk science going on a little bit a little but, bit like he's basically in some sort of efficient way he, figured out a way to make ice yeah i mean the bit and the basic metaphor of it is that he creates ice from fire right like exactly it, it right. Re, he requires the spark of like gas and, and fire and all that but and so but there's no electricity and involved. the guy is like yeah that's a great invention i didn't fucking pay you to do that yeah like rightly then, so like yeah. that's the exactly. other thing is exactly. you're just like yeah this and fucking then so guy. harrison ford is like all right well fuck you right and he's like i'm out of here and he and he befriends these migrant workers who are from what is the name? The name of the country is like Mesquite, Mesquita. Mesquite, Mesquite. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a real. Right. It's, it's a, I don't know if the specific place they go in the movie is real. Right. I'm, and again, I'm currently on the Wikipedia page. So take that for, for what it is. But it's, uh, it's basically like the equivalent of present day, like Nicaragua, Honduras, like right around right. there. And basically he takes up his family and these migrant workers and they go down to this jungle. Yeah. And he's like, screw America. We're never coming back. I'm going to take, I'm going to take fat boy. I'm going to bring it down there. I'm going to build it like to scale down in the jungle. And I'm going to introduce, he literally is like, I'm going to introduce these savages to ice. Yeah, which that's, is that's, like, I mean, woof. that's basically his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down there, we can start fresh. Yeah. We don't have to worry about McDonald's or all this greed. Yeah. You know, and like, it's one of these things. Once again, it's like there is an idealism to it and there is a truth. And through River Phoenix, obviously, who we, of course lost far too young, he's amazing in this movie. This is the beginning. You know, Explorers is the same year. Mm -hmm. He's, going to be he's going to crush it in movies like running on empty little yeah. nikita he's right? amazing in this movie yeah he's great yeah, he's great so he wants to believe his dad he does believe his dad he's like telling he like on the way down there they run into this preacher oh, um yeah. played by andre gregory yeah who you know it's a from good my dinner with andre great performance yeah it's a good performance who's you know you know uh harrison ford immediately hates because like yeah. he represents everything that he you know, hates. Well, right? the institutions right. and the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Martha Plimpton, the great Martha Plimpton, who's also in Running on Empty mm -hmm. with River Phoenix, is Andre Gregory's daughter. They dated for a time after they, yeah, this I movie, so. I believe. Yeah. And River Phoenix in like talking in their Miku, Martha Plimpton and River Phoenix, River Phoenix is like, oh, my, my dad's a genius, right? Like yeah. he, he's in. 
And even Helen Mirren, who gives this just beautiful, tortured performance, is like too supportive of this. Well, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because like watch that's the thing I forgot about, frankly. Right. And then watching it this time, I'm like, what? Like, what did he say off screen to Helen Mirren? To get her to, because she is like in, you know what I mean? There is no, there, uh, this movie made me think a lot about, um, uh, it's got sort of similar vibes to uh, Captain Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, true. But but like the difference being, and I, I like Captain Fantastic, fine, but the difference being that movie skips the the difficult logic jump that this movie needs to kind of push through, which is like in that movie, it starts and they're already in the middle of nowhere. Right. And in yeah, this and movie, that, I mean, you are watching, right. you're watching Helen Mirren, like go along with it, which like the movie, I think the movie's still successful. Like I think the movie gets you to buy it because I think you, you're given enough clues about her as a person. And I don't, I, I you know, I, I wish she was like a little more fleshed out because she's obviously such an amazing actress, but she does do a ton with what she oh, has, yes. I think. And she's, and it, she's terrific. And yeah, to your point, it's literally like, right, if Captain Fantastic is kind of like if Helen Mirren had passed in eh, like yeah. potentially suicidal circumstances sure, sure. before the movie started. That's yeah. kind of where Captain Fantastic starts. Yeah. But then what's weird about what what makes Captain I like that movie fine as well. What makes it a little bit tough is that movie's basically like, and then what if by the end Ali Fox was the hero? Kind of. Yeah. The difference being, I think that it doesn't really confront. No, that movie conflict. tries to ha- that movie tries to have its cake and eat it. Too, yeah. A so it's bit. a little eat its cake I mean, and have it too. Whatever that. Yeah. Bake its cake and eat it. Sure. No. Have its cake and eat it too. There's Captain like a fantastic. Sure. What? Anyway, glory? point being, you guys got it. Um, but so um, he, yeah, <laughs> he it, there. I was thinking of that movie a lot while watching this. Right. No, um, that's an interesting because they they both vibe on that thing of sort of the but the, that that arrogance of like you're not wrong you're just an asshole type thing yeah. captain fantastic has a whole scene that is dedicated to exactly that with Catherine hahn right like right in the and which is a great she's amazing in it too but uh but Be always amazing right? yeah but um this i i think this movie it's best i think if really and i don't think it aspires to be taken too literally either right like the beauty of this movie is it is in fact a sort of uh, a parable right like yeah it's, it's a, an allegory yeah of sorts, yeah right? and, and so, so i mean basically they get down there just to kind of you know lock it in they get down there an alley from this drunk european guy buys a town right called geronimo yeah and in this town he befriends the people who live there the limited people who live there kind of employs them mm-hmm. and they build to scale this ice machine and, and a it, village they like and this build village and it works yeah. great and it like they and it's like everybody's working there's kind of you know there's utopia in work right the family's working the kids are working everybody's basically happy they're doing their best you know they're starting fresh and then he his reach extends exceeds his grasp he wants to go to another village to show the villages that he can make ice and it goes what? sideways. And then he he makes this, you know, this unbelievably stupid mistake that speaks to his arrogance where he, you know, yeah, he thinks one thing and it turns out to be another. And then it forces his hand in, a, in essentially 
destroying everything he's built. It's this whole, and, and you just watch it. And it's, it's, I will say this, it's one of these movies. It is hard to watch. Like yes, you're yeah. watching him self-destruct and you're not only take his family with right. him. Yeah. Yeah. But from a, I mean, from a performance standpoint, and it's funny to start with this movie because it really is. If witness is the best version of the Harrison Ford everyman archetype in a genre setting where we recognize Harrison Ford, right? Where he's playing it straight and it feels like a role Harrison Ford should take, but because of Peter Weir and because of everybody else involved, Viggo Mortensen, one of his first roles actually in that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, Witness is like the apex of that version of Harrison Ford that we know and love. And then so naturally, the cash-in on that is Harrison Ford going like, hey, let me do something completely different. Yeah. And the people basically being like, no, thank you. Right. It's like and it's it, too and, far. And it hurt him. It's and he, you know, too he, much of a curve. He felt like he had to come out and defend the movie a little bit, yeah. right? Like, he's still very honest about his love for the movie and kind of like, oh, I'm happy we made it. I could have done this differently, but I'm happy we did it the way we did it and all this. And, you know, it kind of ends up not really hitting, which is unfortunate. But I will say, and we can segue this to like, you know, Frantic and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of these other movies. He does, he does try to diversify a couple more times, maybe, maybe not as intensely as the Mosquito Coast. But on the back half of the 80s, he does kind of spread his wings to varying degrees of success, right? Well, you talked about Presumed Innocent. Right. Frantic is part of that. Right. Roman um, Polanski movie. Yeah, we didn't. We don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, yeah. I mean, look. It's a. I mean, I'll, hey. objectively though, I like this movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, his it's first movie, thriller. I believe, with Emmanuel Sanger, yep. who is still his wife. Mm. Um, it's a Hitchcock movie. I mean, that's kind yeah. of you know, a doctor and his wife land in Paris from America for a conference. He takes a shower at the hotel. They're kind of on the fringes of. They're okay. Their marriage seems okay, but there's some frostiness. Yeah, yeah. He literally goes to take a shower, and he comes out of the shower, and she's gone, and he doesn't know where she is, and he gets a little frantic. What's funny is he doesn't really. No, but see what I. So here's the thing. Like he never, he never goes like ah, you know, like it's well, not, he, he does. He's, he's. I mean, at the airport when he runs in to like his colleagues. And he's with Emmanuel Sanger. Sure, he's a little frantic. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess, guess he's so. not like, you know, he, he he's not is, like vertigo. It, what I what I l- really love about this movie, right? And and what what Dan just said. I mean, that kind of we, we won't spoil it. It's it's worth watching. So yeah. we won't spoil kind of. Yeah, we. I guess what, we don't really. Spoil we we don't really. We yeah. I, I mean, these are kind of. And we don't. You don't really need to to talk about frantic, but that being the main crux of the movie, right? This sort of. He slowly, you know, creeps a little deeper into seedier things, right. the, you know, the underworld a, l- a little bit uh, while he tries to figure out w- what happened slash is happening to his what like what is, is going on with his wife and where she right, went. Right. Um, that the what I really like about it is how how patient the movie is with dealing with the drama of it all. Right, and that I mean, look, it's vi- he, I mean, it's very European, right? Totally. If you've seen Polanski's other movies, like Knife in the Water, one of his first movies, right? Stuff like that, Repulsion, right? Like, 
Ghost Rider's a lot like that too. Right. Yeah. Later mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. It's very deliberate, right? And, and not unlike Hitchcock, right? I mean, not to oh, not to give it too much credit, but it's there's an there's an obvious through line, of course. Right? No, the, I mean, I don't even know if that's like giving it too much credit or whatever. No, right. Frankly, I, mean, I think you know, were he still alive, this is a this is a movie Hitchcock would have made, and it probably would have felt very similar when you look at the trajectory trajectory of the stuff he was making later on in his uh, in his career, but. Right, like frenzy it feels like feels a, very similar. Yeah, it feels in terms like a kind of, and I mean, similar title. I mean, but, yeah, but but in all seriousness, it does seem like you're right. It's that was his in the way that second last he movie, sort of started I directing think. things. But um, but that said, I, what I like about it is how patient it is because there is specifically you know after his wife Harrison Ford's wife goes missing, um, he, you know. He like hangs around the hotel a little bit. They yeah, had ordered like, they had ordered food. Right. He waits for it to arrive. He clearly eats it and like sits there and you know he kind of assumes she like went for a swim or a walk or right. something. Right. Like, like there's that, this you know? thing and it's it's interesting because we know. Yes. Right. Because so, you're watching a movie. Yeah. So right. you know she's missing. Yeah. So you're like, there's like, bro, a, get exactly up. Like, which I sort of like about it yeah, though, because you're right, you're it, right. it forces you as an audience to like examine all angles and be Well, like, I watched it with with my, my wife Kelly. And yeah. She was like, she was like, dude, stop eating the no, croissant. Brittany did like, this, you know Brittany, I mean? Brittany did like, the yeah. same exact thing. And and it was one of those things that you know, I that's almost what highlighted it for me. Is like, oh no, that's brilliant though, because like in real life, right. you wouldn't. Would you immediately no, go you like, would be like oh. oh, she went, you know, to the shop? Yeah, downstairs, right. whatever. Um, and then it becomes like, okay, now she actually doesn't know. And then it's like he doesn't speak French. And yeah, and it's like, you know, everybody seems just annoyed by his questions. And, yeah, and you know, a little rude, which you know, but you know, French stereotypes abound and all that stuff. But right? not even that. What I like about the movie is that it. It carries that what I was just talking about, like that lens of it, it's really well crafted in, in that regard. And that like it carries that lens of imagine you don't know what's going on in this movie. Right. And then watch this scenario play out the exact same way. He he winds up going to the bar across the street Love. asking about her. And the dude, like the, the actor, guy, yeah. but the actor behind the bar who plays the like the lead bartender or whatever is oh, it gives a, gr- a great reaction because he's just like uh, like his Harrison Ford's trying to speak to him in English. He clearly doesn't speak English and he immediately kind of knows what's going on, but he fucking doesn't care. Right. So he like hot he like waves down the bar to bring the one waiter slash bartender up to just talk to harrison ford and then harrison ford has to start again from the beginning right. talking about what's going on and it, again because you know what's going on in the movie you're like oh why doesn't anyone just listen to him but then you kind of also watch it and you're like yeah but all they no just see care. this yeah nobody would care and they just see this fucking shitty american who's just like yeah and he's like you know i mean not you know he's like an american surgeon you know, yeah. just like fuck yeah. you, right? Like that, like it, for a com- I, in, in town for a conference. That, right? That's like, that's the vibe that I think this movie rides out. But and it does at some point, certain details get revealed. It does become like even like more objectively. Yeah, the argument you could say maybe a criticism against this movie is once the plot is revealed, you can kind of go like, oh, it's a little silly. But what I like about it, it's sort of basic. It is very the, yeah. the reveal, and we won't spoil it. But the reveal of what's going on and and what's happening like you listener could probably Guess deduce pretty quickly. But what I like about it is even when you know what it is, the approach it takes to this very serious thing that's happening sure. is very like, 
lackluster. Like, well, it's very like, like every this, day. Like the, it, the American agents, John Mahoney's one of them, right? Yeah. Like at the consulate. He's great. He's great. Yeah. They, they like, they screw it up yeah. because they're kind of idiots. There's, yeah. There's a, there's a scene where Harrison Ford goes to the embassy and I, lo- I love it though, because it feels so. Right, he's like, what if it was your wife? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But it feels so correct though, because like, you know, you, you, Harrison Ford finally gets to the point where he's like trying to do something about it, goes to the embassy. There's a line at the embassy and Harrison Ford's like, okay, well I, I have to get in. Like, I have to go do this. Like, you know, th- this is what I think happened, you know, and he's at this point started to go fully down the line of like kidnapping, that kind of right. thing. And so he's like, I need to and get in there. Because and he's all got of- some clues. Like, yeah, the, he meets the drunk guy at the bar and he like finds like a, a, p- a little piece of like her. It's a piece right. of jewelry. Right? And he's like, oh, that's hers. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I know like she was taken somewhere yeah. or whatever. And, and he goes to the embassy and, and even at the embassy, like in, the, in the line, the guy's just like, yeah, I don't know you and everybody else just get in line. Like, right. and it, I just loved it. Like I was really just like, cause it just obviously the pace of the world of the movie is not moving at some pulpy spy thriller breakneck speed. It's, it, 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 yeah. it achieves all of its suspense in, in the, in the mundane because you are and watching this person. it's funny, stew. you write about the ghostwriter, the ghostwriter, which I, which is actually really one of my favorite movies. Yeah. We've, I think, shouted that movie out before. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is in a similar way. Ewan McGregor is perfect for mm-hmm. that role in the way that Harrison Ford's perfect for this role. And what's You mean the Han Solo is, of the prequel trilogy? Hell, dude. Yeah. It's such, oh my God. Could not be a truer statement. <laughs> oh my God. His Obi-Wan great. is a great. Will forever be underrated. Give me the whatever show. I mean, if only that people will revisit the prequels and acknowledge that my the, man I was, think I, was I think people ba- I think people basically have. Um, but. but anyway, what he does in the Ghostwriter, Roman Polanski, is he that aggravating kind of you know slow moving tension mm-hmm. that comes from the main character. He extends to a to a a more degree, mm-hmm. like an extended degree, in the Ghostwriter, where at, in that movie, the Ghostwriter, Ewan McGregor, who hey, that's his name. I don't think they ever even say. Does his he name. have it? I don't. Remember. I don't believe it is. It's been. I don't believe he does. Since I watched it. They. He he is actively like choosing to not acknowledge the clear conspiracy happening until the last moment where then it's like, and even at the moment he's fully noir. Yeah. He you're like, dude, you're actually stop because you're playing catch up and you're in danger. And, right. and he never he never seems to understand how much danger he's that's in. That's what which I, I love. love. It's yeah. great. Like I Harrison Ford does though. Like, yes. Like basically by the time he meets Emmanuel Singer, right? Which basically follows a trail, breadcrumbs, it, it leads him to this part party girl, basically. Yeah. Right? Who's Emmanuel Singer, who's very young and um, she's essentially a bag person. Exactly. Right. Like, you yeah. know, kind of she knows she's like Lucy like before Lucy becomes Lucy in the movie Lucy. Oh, Lucy. Directed by another problematic oh, French God. filmmaker, Luc Besson. We'll just have to never be able to talk about um, all the movies we like. Now, just um, quickly, writing a screenplay credit goes to Robert Town. Well, so that makes a lot of sense. Out, yeah. Just another thing to point out. And yeah. we, we, I think Corey ever brought this up, I believe when we talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, he's Harrison Ford is working with great directors. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's important to acknowledge. I mean, this run here. I, I also think that that's a lot. I mean, a lot of the big 
movie stars that well, we've talked we, about. That's what right, they all have we talked about. Like all, the thing. I mean, that was Corey's point with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He didn't work with like every, you know, it wasn't like he worked with every director was amazing. But when he was cooking, it was Verhoeven. Yeah, it was McTiernan. It was freaking um, uh, Cameron Ivan Reitman, right? Which we'll get to. We'll yeah. get to Reitman uh, here in, with sixty seven moment, but. Um, Cameron, right? Thank yeah, you. James Cameron. And how basically his point was that like someone like Dwayne Johnson, he hasn't really found his Verhoeven, right? That's kind of, yeah. right? Unfortunately, part of the thing. Okay. So I think you got to give him some credit. Like even a movie re- like regarding Henry, which in its own right is kind of a B-side. We won't really talk about it. That's directed by Mike Nichols. Yeah. The first produced screenplay by uh, a one J.J. Abrams. J.J. 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 Abrams. So anyway, suffice it to say, this movie starts to cook Emmanuel Sanger is very good on it. They have like a weird off-kilter chemistry, I think. Uh, well, what I like about the movie is where that... He has a great scene where they're in the, uh, the bedroom. And, and he, he like has pretends. to pretend to be her boyfriend. It's so good. Uh, you get a little bit of that Harrison Ford D in the shop. Oh, you get a little bit of D. You get, like, you get a Kevin Bacon wild things about a D. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was going to say the scene where he pretends to be her boyfriend when like the French police come mm-hmm. did remind me... And I know this might, I guess it's a little offensive in hindsight. I don't know. It the Blade Runner scene? Of the Blade Runner scene where he plays the photographer. Yeah, or and he, I he puts and on like, like putting feminine on the, voice. The voice. Yeah. yeah. I do still think that's, it's like Joanna Cassidy, right? He's trying to like, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then she like beats the shit out of him. Yeah. Oh, I mean, great scene. Yeah. That, and then he, he blows her away. Well, okay. Like, what I love Blade about, uh, and I'm going to, and not we're not talking about Blade Runner. It was not a B-side, right? But right. I do want to bring it up A-plus quickly that. because it is an example of what I think runs through all of the great Harrison Ford performances in that we talk about him being the everyman and whatever. And that gets bandied about a lot with like a lot of other movie stars and stuff. Uh, Tom Hanks and uh, you know Jimmy Stewart. And, you know, and the thing is, when you're talking about like a Hanks and a Stewart, people are like, yeah, they're like the everyman. And that's not entirely true. Because what they are is like the like the fantasy of an everyman. Yeah, the like they're just so man, yeah, they're right. so nice. What I love about Harrison Ford is he is the everyman. Like the key, yeah, to, he's a grump. He, yeah, he has to be like the key to Ford is he he he's always to some measure or a lot a dick. Right, like that's what it works. You can't be bothered. You yeah, no, no, no. Like, that, right. That's like, that's what works, right? That's why when Han Solo comes back at the end of Star Wars, it's wonderful because you're like, oh, he's good. Well, right? and it's, or, it's weirdly why the Jack Ryan, Jim Marshall performances, though those, though I like those movies, right? Air Force One, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, they're a little bit lacking because in those movies, he's like he a boy scout, yeah literally doing a Tom Hanks, yeah, right, where it's like, oh, this guy is perfect. Yeah, and weirdly, it kind of makes me realize like Tom Hanks would have made an amazing Jack oh, Ryan. Yeah. Catherine, <laughs> if you give him a mouse cookie, <laughs> he's gonna oh. want a glass of milk. Then close, impossibly oh, good. She's in so Force. great. In Air Force you, honestly, Oscar worthy. Yeah, she is. She's so. I mean, Glenn Close, one of her. No, she. But that actually is like a an amazing performance. What assurances do I have? Like she yeah. is crushing. Like terrible lines you know what i mean just yeah. not even like a diss on the screenwriter but just like action movie lines. i you would, know what i mean like, i would argue most people in that movie kind, oh, her, kind of are. is it dean like, stockwell oh my god yeah. like their banter he's like the secretary william of state h or whatever it is william h oh great great Amazing. but um, um just trying so to lecture frantic. me on the rules of war Don't. anyway um frantic gary Oldman. no sorry real quick uh, 
uh, sorry. Before I lose my thought, no. The reason I brought up Blade Runner is I feel like that. The reason that's like obviously a a, a key Harrison Ford performance right. is because when you watch it, you remember that like Rick Deckard fucking sucks. Like yeah. he's just like a shitty dude, right? And what I like yeah, and about it's that this classic noir he's not that good of a detective yeah. thing and what i like about both mosquito coast and this movie is is that as well is that you're kind of like oh yeah like he he just doesn't seem that like he doesn't seem like a good person right right like and uh and i and i it's something that i think permeates through you know it's six days seven nights we'll get to it like he's kind of a little bit more in semi like indiana jones mode in that slash han solo mode yeah, i mean full more full comedy yeah but yeah and then and then you know through morning glory he's the gr- maybe the grumpiest he's ever been in a movie oh but it's that's like it works right that's like so well. it totally does um and even age of adeline it, gr- grumpy you, you get but, a little grumpy but this is the thing when you get him grumpy like that the reason when you, you know you kind of unlock these more interesting, more nuanced performances from him, uh, like a witness or whatever, is when you can kind of, when you can kind of like eke out that, those moments of tenderness, right? And what I love to bring it back, what I love about his performance in Frantic is his relationship with Emmanuel Singer is kind of that, like you, there's that, there's that sort of line they walk where you're like, are they going to have an affair? Right. And, and and it would be fully believable because he seems like he maybe would do that. At least the, the vibes you get. Yeah, the movie's kind of established. It's not a perfect marriage. No, right. So you think maybe, like, and it's, you know, whatever. It's a spy movie, right? Or espionage movie. So you're kind of like, oh, like, all right, are they going to have an affair? Is this going to be a thing? And it, it, it never quite crosses that line, but there is a tenderness and a liking that he takes to her over the course of the movie. It's really, I think interesting. Uh, I, I don't know how super complicated it is, but it is just maybe a little bit more nuanced than you would yeah, get she from a been, genre movie. Like this, I agree. I she would have been 21 ish when they made it. Yeah. Right. So young. Yeah. Right? Young. So he's and like, he was already, I mean, he got, he, he got famous a little bit later, right? Like, you know, you, you, one would forget he was 35 when star Wars came out. Right. I mean, so by the time he's Indiana Jones, he's like 40, basically. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you know, by the time he's in Frantic, he's 45. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, he's kind of, you know, um, and I will say, say one of my favorite posters. I love this poster. Isn't it just like black with him? Yeah. But she's behind him. Oh, yeah. In the shadows. Okay. Uh-huh. And he's like got his hand on the bridge and he, and he looks a little frantic. Uh-uh. I still don't think he ever really gets that frantic but, in this movie. Yeah, More this like frazzled. Is, this should this, just be I mean, called look, frazzled. This, I, I'll be honest. We talked about it with you, Grant, a little bit less so with Jim Carrey, but this is another four or five that I liked them all. You know what I mean? These are B-sides. Yeah, no, I would highly recommend These are high recommended mm-hmm. B-sides. For sure. Um, now, Six Days, Seven Nights. Uh, one last thing, sorry, with Frantic. Ennio Morricone score, underrated. Great. Good yeah. score. Great. Um, okay. Now, <laughs> Six Days, Seven Nights, directed by Evan Reitman. Yes. Um, you got Anne Hinch. You certainly do. You got David Schwimm. Certainly do. Her. You got Allison Janney in a great, just a barn burning performance. Perfect. She's, she I mean, great. Allison Janney. We know we love her. Oscar yeah. winner. Amazing haircut. Insane glasses. Plays like the editor in chief. Yeah. Of this, like it's called like Dazzle or something like that. Yeah. Like yep. this magazine exactly. that correct. Uh, and Hish's character works for. It's basically Devil Wears Prada. Oh. Kind of the she's situation. like two scenes. Yeah. And like every it's just look and this is the thing like an Allison. I mean. 
she and I was thinking about this rewatching this. I've seen this movie like twenty times. I I, I really like this movie. My mom really likes this movie. Which this uh, is a we, this Julian Maker probably should have been on this podcast. I almost feel look, bad that we're recording like you like you said. Dan, she's with us in he, spirit, and he's got a lot of B side. We'll probably get around to a part two. Yeah. Someday. So maybe we should. You should almost put if you can find it. You should almost put this line in one of my. I swear to God, this is true. One of my mom's favorite lines in any movie ever. I swear to God, she she would she would validate this. Is when they're in. <laughs> Is when they're in the airplane at the beginning. So basically, sixty-seven nights. Um, the simple premise is Anne Hache is a workaholic woman. Can, can you imagine? Oh right? no! Oh, who works for a magazine? Is she a girl who works? Oh, she's, she's a working girl. Oh, okay. Go on. Mm-hmm. And let me just say, I feel like Anne Hache got shit for this haircut. I think she's looking good in this movie. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Anne Hache, she's a working girl. Um, David Schwimmer is her kind of new boo, and he's a sap. Okay, whatever. He's, he and, sucks. Yeah, I mean, no, it is to be clear. Schwimmer is very good. I mean, he is like, yeah. he's like, what if Ross was worse? Right? Like, well, it's, it's, it, it right, feels it's like, like him acknowledging right, that Ross right. sucks. It's very like, that's the, I think it's a very it's, yeah. good performance. Anyway, he basically surprises Hanage. Um, Robin is her name. Mm-hmm. And is like, hey, I talked to Marjorie, your boss. And next week, we're going to go to this tropical island, six days and seven nights in paradise, right? Okay. So then they- That's your mom's favorite line. They, no, hang on. <laughs> so they land to like the nearest commercial airport, but they have to take a little, like a little plane to the actual island. And oh, wouldn't you know it? Uh, they got to get in a small plane. And who's this gruff pilot? He's like, we'll be ready in 10, 15 minutes. I got to put oil on the plane. And Anne Hayes is like, she's a New Yorker. She She's like, you got to put oil. You got to put oil on the plane. I know. I'm not going to fly in this plane, right? She's doing the whole thing. And they finally get in the plane. And Harrison Ford's like sometimes girlfriend, who I also love. She, yeah. She comes. Let's, get, let's find, get her name. I'm we got to yeah. uh, show her some respect. She gets on the plane. And this is my mom's favorite line. She shows Harrison Ford this like little red thing, and she's like, "Hey, Queenie, look what I got!" And and uh, and Harrison Ford's like, "What is it, baby?" And and she's like, "It's a bathing suit, silly." And she's like, <laughs> she's got like cute, you know, she's like a you know, got big old you know everything, and you know the curves out the wazoo, the whole thing. And she's got this whole this like little thing. She's like, "It's a bathing suit, silly." <laughs> I thought it was an iPad. <laughs> so Can I tell you? Funny. Actually, go up to my mom, bring up that movie, say that she'll laugh for a year. Yeah, she'll laugh for I, a calendar year. Earnestly though, watching this movie, it's been a minute. It's been a minute since I had seen this movie, uh, and rewatching it, I did. I did chuckle at that line for sure. It's funny. Like I, when, it, when it happened, I was like, because ah. it's a visual joke, so yeah. I'm not doing it justice on the podcast. But it's like it's and it. And it's like everybody laughs in the plane. Yeah. And you feel, I mean, who knows, whatever, they're actors, but it feels like they all actually laughed. You know, it's yeah. like such a silly moment. Like you almost wouldn't be surprised if like Schwimmer. Like just, just said that. Yeah, yes, right. exactly. Yeah. So they get to the freaking island and he proposes to Anne Hitch, That like first night. The yeah. first night. Starring Richard Gere. And then, oh God, that's another fucking, oof, that is a B-side. That's Richard Gere part two. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Wouldn't you know it? They're at the bar at this tropical island. Who hits on Anne Hish? A absolutely drunk as crap Harrison Ford, whose name you might have heard is Quinn. Quinn right? Harris. Harris. Yes. Yeah. Pretty good name. Yeah. Well, quickly, his name in Frantic, I also like Dr. Richard Walker. I think it's sure. a very kind of nice plain name. Anyway, Not Quinn like Harris. Richard Kimball. Qu- so, exactly. Quinn Harris hits on uh, Robin, Anne Hish. She kind of rebuffs him. 
And then wouldn't you know it, the next morning, Marjorie, Allison Janney calls and is like, there's an Evander Holyfield fight profile we need for the magazine. And the only place they can do it is this island that's like in Tahiti that's like right near you because of a storm and we can only get them there. And I don't want to interrupt well, it's, your... It's worse than that because it's... like it's, a photo shoot, right? It's, no, yeah. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's Evander Holyfield and somebody else. And they were going to do it in two in two separate places right right and the only like like what i love is like by the time she calls Anne Hage, the decision has been made like she's already decided like Anne Anne Hage is gonna say yes to this and i'm gonna ruin her vacation which she finds out as an engagement yeah right right and so whatever but the whole thing is like she She's like, oh yeah, no, I decided to fly them to Tahiti because you're right there and you can just pop over and right, do right, it. right, right, right. And it's like, oh, okay. But what I love, back to Allison Jenny, real quick. What I love about the performance is she does the thing where she asks the shitty thing, and then is like, oh, you got engaged. That's so nice. And like, oh, and so like, good. befriends oh. her. And it's that thing of like, so relatable. The, like that's yeah, such a relatable. No, it is a. It is a pitch perfect rendering of that human and even just like i mean it's just like it's one of these things every little thing like even like so so oh my god it's so perfect and he's just like what kind of message would i be sending frank if the minute after we become engaged i fly off to go babysit a photo shoot and she goes she like cuts back to she takes our glass she's like an excellent message, right? She, she gives like, it. She throws like her like a stat, stat. and it's then so she's, and then good. it happens. It's like a stat from the magazine. It reminds me of, of the like, sleeves in Seattle, where they always say the like, it's more likely to be killed by a terrorist yeah. than to be married after forty, right? It's so oh god, um, that joke I guess is not aged incredibly well. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so she she's gonna go babysit this photo shoot, so she goes to Quinn. She's like, hey. Can you bop me back over to Tahiti? I'll give you all this money, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, sure, why not? And they zip up in the plane, just the two of them. And wouldn't you know it, the storm came in earlier than Mm -hmm, expected. Certainly did. They try to turn back around. It's too late. Uh, Plane goes down. One thing I forgot, I kind of thought like he crashed. He like lands the plane because he is a good pilot. Like, you know, he actually like lands the plane on the island right which is kind of impressive she has that great line though later oh in my the movie. god i've flown with you twice you crashed half the time yeah and that he and i do love line. it though because he stops and he's just like it's good she's got him. Like, she's like, like he's like gosh no um, it's great yeah. so then they wake up the next day they're 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 plane wrecked shipwrecked what have you on this island um he thinks it might be this one island where there's a beacon where he can get help before long they realize it's not and then he has that great line where he's like, The bad news is we may be here for a long time. You and me. For a long, 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 long time. Anyway, so now they're stuck. And what happens? They fall in love. They don't like each other at first. She's uptight. He couldn't care less. It but, sounds like they're opposites. But they eventually attract. And here's, let me just ask this question before we get into the pirates. <laughs> it's called Six Days, Seven Nights. David Trimmer says the vacation, Six Days and Seven Nights in Paradise. Sure. My whole life, I've been watching this movie, right? Like I've said, I've seen it many times. Rewatching it for this podcast was the first time I ever thought, 
I always assumed they were on the island for six or right. seven nights. But then it occurred to me, maybe the title is just a reference to what the vacation was supposed to be because they freaking find a seaplane. A part of a seaplane. And like the rebuild it. And, do yeah. they do that in well, two days? They don't. I, it seems like they crash on the second night. Right. So right. They fall so, in like five days. This is a stressful situation. That's actually weird. That's like not the least believable thing. That's another good line where she's like, is that just something that happens to two people? Like yeah. On an island, which I, yeah. a few sneaky good lines. This movie, I don't know, man. It. I'll say this. I'm not, I'm not, I don't ride as hard for this movie as you do, but. This is just one of those I, soft spot I, movies. No, no, no. And, you know I, I mean? and, and frankly, look, I think if you get yourself feeling nostalgic for a certain time when certain movies were made. I think this movie satisfies that. I think and like you said, you said this before the podcast, this is in the realm, and this is giving it a little bit too much credit, but it is in the realm of romancing the stuff. Well, that's, I think that is, I did not find any evidence to directly, you know, signal that, but that has to have been part of the Oh, match, I mean, right? Like, right, like that has to have been part the, of the Because even match. the relationship, right? Like where- Opposites right, attract. You know, he's Michael rough Douglas and tumble. Right, exactly. She's from the city. It's yeah. it's very much that. Here's the difference. And I'll, this, I'll get us to the pirates. So basic, Morrison, basically, they are, um, they, <laughs> they are very quickly confronted with, uh, with a band of pirates uh, who are played by, I think there's more than three of them, but the three that you see and would know are Tamura Morrison, Cliff, Cliff Curtis, and Danny Trejo. Right, and, Danny Trejo. Yeah, yeah, I don't think, I actually don't even know, I don't think Danny Trejo has any lines, but, um, but uh, th- you know, they essentially find them, hold them hostage, they escape. If that sounds like I'm oversimplifying it, I am not it is weirdly like only like 15 minutes. five yeah maybe 10 minutes right. of the movie right and it's a little strange because it it arrives so late in the movie as a conflict um it just feels a little weird and ebert in his review i don't know if he opened his review at this but he he wrote uh, something to the effect of if as soon as you see pirates in a movie that takes place beyond the year 18 whatever it's clear that the filmmakers have run out of ideas now. And you mentioned this earlier when we talked about this in the age of uh, Captain, Captain Phillips. Yeah. In the age of Captain Phillips, it doesn't feel that far fetched. Yeah. Weird. F- far from it. It yeah. actually feels like a thing that would be right at home. Like, in, oh yeah. This a, could happen. Yeah. Well, I, so that it's actually also weirdly similar to stuff. Uh, we don't really, we didn't really talk about it, but the mosquito coast, they run into the same kind right, of thing. similar. Gr- they like, run into kind of gorilla scoundrels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, that's the mistake. I mean, yeah, yeah. He makes a mistake involving. He thinks they're prisoners, but they're actually like yeah. kind of criminals. Yeah. yeah, and so they're kind of similar in that way. Anyway, um, but the with this movie, they sort of they show up, and then they disappear. Basically, like they get it, H- they escape from them, and Anne H basically buys them time by saying we have gold right and i was saying to you wouldn't it have just been i mean i hate doing like rewriting movies no no no. but 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 it feels simple enough like wouldn't i mean if you're gonna make this type of adventure movie right to an extent wouldn't you wouldn't you have here's fortnite haste just find actual gold exactly like they so they crash they find the seaplane 
there's gold in the sea plane. All of a sudden, they're pirates because, of course, they're looking for that same gold. Yeah. All of a sudden, the motivations are a little bit more clear as opposed to just like and you can weave there it. are pirates on yeah. an island. Like they kill another dude. Yeah, like another. Like they're raiding other shit. Yeah, like another tourist right. that maybe it's they like, took hostage. You know. And it's it's really weird because it just feels, to Ebert's point. Very Jurassic Park 3, kind of. A little like similar. It's like tagged on, kind yeah, of. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Very Same tag, year. Very almost like, yeah, within a couple of years, yeah. No. Jurassic Park 3 is 2000. Yeah, I mean, this was 2001. This was like a year oh, after right, 2000, World. So 98, yeah. Um, yeah, right. yeah. But, but no, yeah, it's it, it, that. that's kind of the thing. I mean, I guess, and this I mentioned to you this before, but like, it if you do that, which makes the better movie, frankly, where it's like they get to the island, the pirates like run the island already. Right. right? Yeah, they're and, like looking and, for it. And they stumble upon the gold before the pirates do. And then that's the movie that's going on. I mean, that's a way more entertaining movie, but then it is just romancing stuff. Yeah. Right. Then it's like just the same movie, which I mean, frankly, is kind of fine by me because I think they have good enough chemistry. Obviously, Harrison Ford is is, you know, is who he is. So there's a a level of like you're getting sort of a suit. You'd be getting a sort of pseudo Indiana Jones movie out of it. Right. Right. Um, uh, So, you know, to your point, it's neither here nor there. I just think it is a little weird because it does make the movie feel a little bit more lopsided where you think that the pirates would introduce the more engaging sort of entertaining aspect of this movie. When in fact, I think once it gets to that point, the movie kind of loses steam. Like, yeah, well, it, it really feels like such an afterthought. When it's just, it does. when it's just them bantering, trying to survive. Right. It works uh, way. I think it works way better. Um, I do want to talk really quickly about Anne Heche in particular. I just want to, before you do that, say sure. it does. It, another great line in this movie is they're walking through like a river and they're talking about like, oh, do you want to have kids? Like he had a wife, the wife cheated on him, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And Anne Heche is like, what? How old are you? Like, you can still have kids. How old are you? And like he, she guesses and he keeps pointing his finger up because he's older. He's older. And then finally he whispers his age into his her ear and she's like, hey, you still look good. And here's where it goes. I still am good. <laughs> Bet and you it are, is such It's I, such a you know line. Yeah. It's like such a oh, swagger. Such swag. A, that yeah. every man swag. Yeah. Harrison Ford. I, I think, um, and I mentioned this, but I part of the reason I think this movie is sort of appealing from a Harrison Ford standpoint is this might be the last time he was like sexy for objectively yeah. sexy in a movie. Um He's still got his like, you know, he's still got his jawline. He's like holding on to sort of like the shape of his face before it like sags a little bit and all that. Uh, it's still in shape, clearly, all that. Um, and he, I guess maybe a yeah. ho- Hollywood homicide if you uh, if you want. Hey now, another another B side <laughs> yeah. that we will not get to. Yeah. But goddamn, if I you don't. talked a little bit about it on with the, Josh Hart. Yeah, the yeah, I did, I did, um, I did. Harrison, yeah, Harrison Ford is in that. Does have a great little moment. See, that's another him. once yeah. again not to be, but I think you know, Six Days is kind of you know he does in Working Girl, obviously, and he does it you know a little bit in Sabrina, a little bit in Sabrina, but this is kind of he's almost doing the De Niro thing where it's like he's he's like funny grumpy sure, Ford, sure, and you get it here and like you know Hollywood. I mean, look, there's a lot of problems with Hollywood Homicide. I'm not going to really defend the movie. He's I not have, really one of them though. Exactly. Yeah. That's my thing. Yeah. He has this brilliant scene like because br- he's a cop he's also a real scene? estate broker yeah it's great and he's in there in the middle of a chase like the climactic chase in of the movie. movie and while he's in the elevator like bloodied with these random people in an elevator 
uh, I think like Master P, the rapper who yeah. like is in the movie, calls Harrison Ford's character to like close the deal on this property he's been trying to sell the whole movie. The, the Olympus house. The, yeah. <laughs> and he closes it over the phone and he's so happy. happy. And he like looks at these strangers and he's all bloody and he's like, and it is, he has, I mean, that movie's got, like I said, a myriad of problems in terms of just like the racial politics and whatever. But truly, there are a couple moments in that movie where you're like, this is Well, he great. just had, yeah, he has yeah. that exasperated, like ecstatic moment of relief. Yeah, he's like he looking for validation. Yeah. And then he like goes and Back fights into like freaking Isaiah Washington. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, it's a great little moment. Um Sorry, to go back to Six Days, Seven Nights, I do want to talk real quickly about Anne Heche in the movie because uh, just according to Wiki and IMDb, the, you know, a few a few very notable people were uh, on the shortlist to play the Robin character. Among them were, of course, Meg Ryan. It feels like, like you mentioned, probably, feels like it was written for her. Yeah, man. I mean, it feels know, like she knows, was probably but... the first one they asked. Right, uh, Julia Roberts. Yeah, Melanie Griffith. Um, that I think would have been wonderful. Yeah. Um, cause obviously the reunion, but, um, the old working girl reunion. Yeah. But, um, he, Harrison Ford, uh, allegedly handpicked Anne Heche and, um, <clears throat> and at the time she was sort of a relative unknown. She had, you know, she had done indie movies she had gotten recognition for she had had so barbara star yeah. she went to indie she went to tv bit parts yeah yeah and she had a um she had a role alongside his fugitive co-star uh Tommy Lee jones the year before 97 yeah, 97 was her yeah she's in a few movies she's yeah. in donnie brasco she's in volcano right she's kind of yeah coming out party and um and Basically, she then, you know, he picks her to be in uh, Six Days, Seven Nights. And right around the time production was starting, and this was sort of a reminder, I mentioned this to you, Dan, like, I kind of, it just made me realize, like, how shitty collectively, publicly we were to, like, Anne Heche around the time. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, in, in, in the craziness of Ellen, yeah. she was a casualty. Yeah, so, so basically. So she had, uh, she was picked, right? And this is a Touchstone movie, so Disney. Right. right. And um, right as the movie was gearing up to go, she appeared as Ellen's date on a uh, red carpet. I believe it was for the Golden Globes. I don't want to speak out of turn there, but she appeared at a red right, carpet at a, event, at event yeah. uh, with Ellen. And it obviously created all the speculation of just, uh, you know, her uh, her sexual identity and all that kind of stuff. And immediately Touchstone was like, no, thank you. Right. Right. So they fired her and Harrison Ford essentially had to kind of wheel and deal to a certain degree to get her rehired. Um, so, you know, good on yeah, him, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, good um, for him. yeah. But one of the things I was trying to think to myself, like, what is it then about her? Like, clearly there's, there's a reason that you don't go with Griffith. You don't go with Julia Roberts. You don't go with Meg Ryan, all these people who, from a movie star standpoint, you could imagine if your touchstone you know or Ivan Reitman yeah. would have been like, Oh, I want this person. Yeah. So what is it about? Her? I was thinking about this. Yeah. Um, Anne Heche. So she didn't, so this kind of was the beginning of the end. She didn't really have, I mean, you know her, she's been in stuff. Obviously she was an Alec. She had a little run in Ally McBeal after this. She's been in stuff. So this it's not pre psycho like, though. Right, right. 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 So this year is six day, seven nights. 
and it's Psycho, and there's one other movie. Let me just make sure I get it right that she's in in '98. This also, also kinda, I know you did last summer. She has that. Well, she has a little cameo, role, I believe, which I kind of like her in, little her little cameo in in in, uh, in that movie. But she's also the lead in. Here we go. '97. Beep boop pop. Um. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just to kind of clarify. 97's her big year, right? Donnie Brasco, Volcano. I know what she did last summer. She did a little role. And then Wag the Dog. She's good. Oh, right. Right? Yeah, big one. And then she's in Ellen, right? She's she's in the show, Ellen. She's dating Ellen, like you said. And then she's Robin Monroe in 67 Nights. 67 Nights is kind of the beginning of the end, kind of, of movie star Harrison Ford because it costs $70 million, It makes 165 So it does okay, but underperforms. Is not well reviewed, right? Yeah. So that year, '98, kind of three pretty big profile starring roles in three kind of disappointments on different levels. She's in Six or Seven Nights, kind of underperforms. She's in Psycho, which is the infamous, right? Even though I'll stand for it. It's had a pretty good shelf life, I think. Yeah, I'll stand yeah. for it. The infamous, uh, at the time, Gus Van Zant, re, you know, shop, shot shop, for shot remake, remake except also for Little Master Dish. Of um, Viggo Mortensen is in that right, as well, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Of obviously Alfred Hitchcock, Psycho, and then she makes a movie that I kind of remember liking, but I haven't seen in a long time called Return to Paradise, which is directed by kind of journeyman filmmaker Joseph Rubin. If you don't know Return to Paradise, it's kind of like do you remember that movie Broke Down Palace? Yeah, it's kind of like th- those Midnight Express type movies came back into vogue for a minute in the late '90s, and Return to Paradise was one of those. It's um. Vin, young Vince Vaughn, Anne Heche, and young Joaquin Phoenix. Um, oh, they right. basically get arrested in Malaysia for like drugs, and one of them gets stuck behind, and they have to go back to try to get him out. Oh, and so it is broke down palace. It's like isn't that yeah. like the same thing? Right. Yes. Yeah. It's very similar. And you broke down palace. That's Claire Danes and uh, Kate Beckinsale. Miss Kate Beckinsale oh. with a little performance also by Paul Walker, RIP. Um, we should do one of them for sure. Oh my God, Kate Beckinsale? Yeah. Wow. That's my girl. Danes? I mean, Danes, Danes? they're all, kind of both my girls. Yeah. We'll those? figure that, we'll figure that yeah. one out. Yeah. That, actually, yeah, I mean, we can just do a Broke Down Palace episode. <laughs> episode. <laughs> um, so anyway, point is, that's kind of the end, right? Like, yeah. she's coming up in 97. We treat her like shit because we're living in a poisonous place with all the Ellen stuff. She gets a couple shots in 98, they underperform. And then it's kind of like, you know, she's in Alec McBeal for a minute. She has like the fifth lead in John Q. She's in Birth, which, you know, everybody hated. And now people regard rightfully so as a masterpiece, right? Like she kind of just kind of falls back into TV, Everwood, right? She, had, she does have that amazing cameo in uh, in The Other Guys. She She has that. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. she's like the bad guy. I, she, I mean, basically, she's uncredited. Spoilers. It's almost not. I mean, she's got like a couple scenes. She's yeah. like the bad guy. Yeah, she's like working with, with Steve, Steve Coogan, Coogan right. basically. Um, but anyway, so point is, she never really got the movie star shot. But what I was going to say is, you know what she kind of has a little bit. I hope you're about to say the same thing. She's I was got a little Marlena Dietrich. Oh, she's got that's this not, smoky, okay. deep voice. Sure. She's got the kind of bleachy blondie hair. Yeah. And she's got that like mischievous, I'm smarter than you. Yeah. Like I'm going to pretend like I'm not, but really I am. Thing. You know who I was going to I mean, that's maybe a, a smarter uh, comparison. I was going to say just from a Harrison Ford standpoint, 
she's got kind of a Karen Allen thing going on. Right. In okay. this. And, and okay. so if, and that, that was just sort of the, maybe the mental gymnastics I used to kind they of. all the same put, problem. Put it on. None of them were you, babe, <laughs> or whatever. So Crystal Skull, I'm gonna, I'm masterpiece. Gonna, I'm going to put that on after this for sure. Um, but it. I just want to say, we, whoever was listening has obviously stopped. Yeah, no, they're like, nope, hard but pass. that's okay. Hard you don't pass. like Crystal Skull? I mean, look, we live in a free country. Last time I checked. Right. So just, you know. We can like what we like. You like what you like. It's okay. Look, I like Ike. That's it. I like Ike. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, but I think she kind of has that vibe a little bit. And I think, you know, she's got that spunk. And I think that it, it, that was sort of the through line I built in my head while watching the movie. Because I just, I was trying to think like, what is it about her that he, you know, he handpicks over over the other people you would put, um, you'd put in contention. But um yeah. Oh, so one fun just, little fact. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, this is something I. I was going to so, just do a quick Ivan Reitman. So you do your fact. No, this yeah, this is just like a fun little fact I came across that I thought was kind of funny. Um, so Tamura Morrison revealed in I believe like an autobiography or, or, or something to that effect that the Maori that he and Cliff Curtis are speaking in this movie is not quite gibberish. But it's like not correct. Like their talk, like the right. lines that they're saying that are not. It's a once were warriors reunion. It is, yeah, yeah, but and which of um, you have not seen? See Lee Tamahori, right? Yeah, yep. Um, Lee die another day. Tamahori, Tamahori yeah. Lee the Edge. Tamahori Lee next. Tamahori. <laughs> nice. um, <laughs> you guys remember the, next starring Jessica Biel and Nicholas Cage Nick, and Nicholas Cage. Oh, Julian there. Moore. Who will say she has said in interviews that's like one of the worst movies she's ever been in? Julianne Moore. Yeah, yeah. Remember she's not in, the Forgotten. Remember she's in Next, dude. You know who? Weird. You know who directed the Forgotten? Joseph Rubin, director of Return to Paradise. Uh, this is what back. you get from Julianne Moore is this also is in get. Psycho oh, as dude, the sister as Vera Miles. Uh, Vera Miles. Yeah. Wow. Any and who plays Vera Miles in the little scene Hitchcock biopic? Jessica Beale. Beale. Holy wow. Shit. This is round and round. We can just go. go forever. This is this is okay. Sick. Anyway, um we only have 45 movies left. No, and you were gonna, sorry. Uh no, but it just they uh Tamura Morrison revealed in his in, in that when they were doing this movie, this phrases that they were saying were like, What are we gonna eat for dinner? Like it's like they weren't they're not I love like it. I love it, it. it wasn't quite gibberish, but don't it was you not love correct. that he, for 15 minutes? Uh, Quinn Harris, played by Harrison Ford, is pursued by just Django, Django Fett. Django Fett, yeah, as opposed to Django Boba Fett. Fett, yeah. Django Fett. Uh, I, yeah, it's great. So, um, Ivan Reitman, I just want to say. Yeah, go for it. Interesting career, right? You know, he comes up, he makes Foxy Lady, Cannibal Girls, kind of like, you know, low-budge Canadian, you know, horror comedy, whatever. Meatballs, Bill Murray, it's the camp comedy, right? And then explosion with stripes continued explosion with ghostbusters modest hit with legal eagles right which if you haven't seen is deborah winger and the one and only robert redford and then twins is a surprise hit ghostbusters 2 is a reliable hit even though it's so bad and it's got some charms to it okay buddy it's got some charms. kindergarten cop you want to talk about charms it's not a tuma (laughs) it's not a tuma um that's like my dad's favorite movie line swear to god so point is, this is like a Rob Reiner run, right? He's like bang, yeah. bang, bang. That's bang. a really good comparison. Right? And then Dave, also modest hit, but like beloved. Right? Yeah, I, I like love Dave. Dave yeah. You know, as a good liberal, I mean, you, you love Dave. <laughs> but Gorney Weaver's so oh my God. good. And I mean, Dave. Kevin Klein, you know. Yeah, Kevin Klein too. Anyway, um, and Bonnie Hunt, 
We're walking. We're walking. Oh, yeah. He's walking. I, oh, there's, no, you know. So I, I had a, uh, the multiple siblings who used to work on Capitol Hill. And I remember one of the first times we went down there to visit my oldest brother. I was very young. Um, but I had just seen Dave. Like it was like one of the movies. I felt like very adult, right? Because I like remembered it or whatever. And my brother gave us a tour of the Capitol building. I love it. It was like doing the Bonnie Hunt. See, uh, yeah. that's nice. But so, but my point is, what's funny, and this just happens, right? What happens after Dave? Not unlike Rob Reiner after the American president, right? He makes a little movie called Junior, which flops, right? That's the Danny DeVito. Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of they re- reunite and no. Look, what if there was a, a man, man who became pregnant? who was pregnant? You know, you know Emma Thompson also in that movie, young Emma Thompson. Oh, God right. bless America. He also makes Father's Day with Billy Crystal and Robin Williams. Do you remember that? I do actually. So me, I rented Kelly, that movie on pay per view. Okay, who back in the I day. feel like who didn't right? Yeah. Like it was a huge flop, but they really marketed it. Like so, check this out. Me and Kelly uh, when Friends was still on Netflix. We just like had it on every once in a while, probably like every other household, you know, whatever in, in, in America. They, Robin Williams and Billy Crystal show up for the cold open of one of the episodes of Friends, what? like playing like a couple what? or like, a, you know, Robin Williams is like doing one of his like foreign voices. Sure. Sure. Billy Crystal's like his friend. And they just like are, they interact with the friends and then, the, and then it's like, I'll be there for me. Right. It's like, that happens what? for Father's Day. Okay. Remember Father's wow. Day. So point is he like, it's a bang, 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 hit, hit, hit. And then it's like flop, 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 flop. Which I always think is just interesting. Because then Junior Father's Day, six days is not a flop, but it underperforms. And then Evolution. Yeah. Which was a real. Julian Morgan. Yeah. Which was, that one was kind of a real miss. Right? That one, I, we may. I even, saw that in theater. I think we may have even brought this up on the show before. But I that one was one that I kind of like. Wanted to well, really everybody. like when I it mean, was not. It's like Ghostbusters. Right, because you want it to. X-Files. Yeah, guy. you like want it to be Ghostbusters. Right. And, and it's like make seven. And I, def- I definitely like, <laughs> I definitely have, uh, I definitely have watched, the, like at the time, watched that movie like more than once. Oh, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Um, bad, Never bad rewatched film. it. Yeah, bad film. Sean William Scott, also in that movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then he doesn't really make a movie for a little while. And then he makes My Super Ex-Girlfriend, right? So then it's kind of like. You know, no strings attached. He directs. That's kind of a modest hit. So now he's kind of doing it draft day, right? Like, so he's he's doing this and that now. But my point Dude, is, Vontae Mac. It's no, no matter, matter what, what. Vontae Mac. No matter what. Anyway, I just think the Ivan Reitman of it all is interesting when you compare it to somebody like Rob Reiner, and that's all I'll say. Okay, moving along. Twenty ten, you get, in my opinion, just prime time funny for it. Roger <laughs> Michelle. Yes. Okay. Morning Glory. Another J.J. Abrams joint. Yep. Yeah, Bad Robot. Regarding Henry Reunion. It's so funny because I totally forgot about that. And just seeing the logo up top, I was like, the fuck is this? Like, what is is a Bad Robot joint? J.J.'s like, what if there was morning talk shows and they were a little edgy? I will say this. um, and I I think it inspired Diane Keaton's performance. No, I think she's very good. I I basically like this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's... Patrick Wilson, cutie pie. There's an... Which I think is kind of fascinating because I do think he obviously tends to, I think, excel when he's a little more unlikable. So it was, for me, kind of nice 
just watching him be, be charming nice. yes. and, and nice. Um, oh, sort of in a way that is a little disarming because you're at least for waiting, me, for, you're him waiting for him to like yeah, that's true. be the guy that is responsible to for Rachel shitty. McAdams. Right. That's a good point. I guess really quickly, we'll just cover the plot. Rachel McAdams plays a lead producer at a local no, New, New Jersey, Jersey the public show. access yeah, yeah, yeah. morning show, basically. It's, any, it's not, it's like and, local market. It's, yeah. It's and, a little bit better. Than and she, guy. and she loses her job to like um, a young nepotism. Yeah. Situation. There is, I will say there is a, gr- <laughs> there is a great visual gag up front where she, is get like that you believe she's getting a promotion and so her friends are like oh wear this and it's like i I accept accept. it's a big t-shirt that says i accept and so of course as soon as she's given the shirt you're like okay well this yeah yeah. but she's so she she like buttons up her jacket you know to hide it and then immediately is like okay to a point where during the scene where she gets fired you sort of forget about it and then there's just this hard cut to her friends helping her carry her stuff out of the office and they're all wearing the congratulatory t-shirts and i just i don't know it's something about the way that it's cut and nobody and then, says anything then, about which, it or anything what, it's just they nice, double down yeah. on it because later she's looking for another job and she's pacing like outside her yeah. apartment and she's, and she's wearing, wearing it yeah she's like doing her laundry and it's the only shirt she has left right so she's like wearing it on laundry day yeah that i that i will comedy. say yeah no it, it's an easy joke but it totally fucking got so me. um but she gets fired she, yeah. <laughs> she gets fired and then she calls 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 and, she, and she's you know not, not like Anne Hayes. she's irascible she's just she won't she can't be stopped yeah know? and um ultimately she gets a meeting with the fourth rated network morning show called behind, IBS. IBS, which I love behind, of course, NBC, behind CBS, behind ABC, right? Um, the Today Show being at the time, you know, the show, which is sure. weirdly, you know, and like aged, Good Morning America, you know, age not as well, whatever. But yeah. anyway, so. She takes the meeting with the one and only Jeff Goldblum, probably in his most like measured performance. Like, he, he's very nice. I really like him in this oh, movie, totally. actually. And yeah. I really like it's not just with him, actually. There are a few things I really like in this movie. Not it sort of goes along with the Patrick Wilson thing. Um he's essentially like the you know, he's like uh his name's Jerry Barnes. You I know, know he's just he's like, like the lead producer. I don't even know what you'd call him. He's, he's like just the an network. He's just an executive. Yeah. Like who is in um, charge of, you know, yeah, he's like a C level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um but he, it's a really good little role for him because he's not goldbluming it. He's playing it super straight. No. And what I love about it is he's playing it straight enough that he, I mean, he he sucks. He's like, I mean, he doesn't suck, but he's like, and you and I, you know, we work in production. Yeah. We've worked with these kinds of people. Totally. What I love about this movie is uh, when Brittany and I were watching it, she kind of was looking at uh, Rachel McAdams character and it's like, I feel like she sucks. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she was like, I feel like if I was working with her, I'd be like, oh, this fucking lady is like insufferable. And that might be kind of true. But I like me watching it. I just couldn't help but think like, yeah, I don't know. She's got she's got the manic energy of a really good live producer. Yeah, clearly. I mean, and obviously this is just, you know, conjecture or whatever assumptions. But you would have to imagine that Rachel McAdams playing Becky Fuller in this movie sure. is just 
taking everything she can from the high hunter broadcasting no 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 I right mean, that's it is, what it is yeah it's not and it, i will say like you know because it is the, like broadcast it's morning it's news, the lo, right? it's like it's the like, low rent bro this movie is like the low sure. rent broadcast and it's literally news. to the point where it's like harrison ford right it's almost like if patrick wilson is doing the william hurt yeah if there's not really an albert brooks you kind of um what's his name great great character actor john pankow is like the He's like the associate producer. He's like sort of her John, men. Uh, he's like her rock Lenny. a little bit. He's yeah. kind of like the Albert Brooks, I guess, if you want to like do this. But there's parallel. no connect. Like there's no. But Harrison Ford plays Mike Pomeroy, who is like the Jack Nicholson cameo from Broadcast News. Yeah. If that cameo was an actual role. Role. Right? Yeah. That's kind of. Yeah. But um, he's essentially, I mean, he is basically a, like a Dan Rather. Like a, right. He gets called Dan Rather at one point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it it's it, it, I mean that that's essentially if you're looking for who he is that that's like the character. But what I love like what I love about what a lot of this movie does, particularly with Goldblum, with Wilson, with Diane Keaton, is you expect maybe and this movie I will say I feel like the best way I can describe it this movie is cute. Oh yeah, it's a very cute movie, and for what whatever positive and negative connotations you want to take with that, they're probably all correct. But it is very much like if you want something that goes down easy, this movie's very cute. It's a very sweet movie. Uh, I I basically like it. I think I gave it like three stars on Letterboxd. It's like right there. Yeah, I like yeah. it a little bit more than you. But that, this is another. I'm telling you, this is another one that kind of hits me. Dan McIgore. Oh, Dan dude, McIgore, these are all, baby. These are all uh, Dan it, Yeah, it. But, but what I what the, I, the last one's. I mean, the last one is. Oh, I mean, God invented. <laughs> you directed before. the last oh, one. Oh God! Yeah. In my dream. Um, no, but what I what I was gonna say is what I like about the way this movie treats its characters, despite being very and it's not like twee. It's not like cute no. to a like sickening degree, but it's just nice, right? And what I like about the way the movie treats its characters is you expect all of them to go to some kind of higher drama higher just broader place with it like you expect at some point goldblum to hit on her in a creepy matt lowry kind of way or something and that becomes a conflict in the movie but it doesn't right he just he's he's not he's not some asshole who then becomes a monster he's just sort of an asshole but he's also just a guy who's like trying to keep things running right 100 and wilson sort of the same thing right you expect him. He's got the air of maybe some entitlement, but in a way that I think feels like real without being like right. malevolent or anything yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like he's aware of his whatever nepotism yeah, or yeah. whatever. And he basically, his whole sort of role is he he sort of came, he was working yeah, He produced under, like a magazine show, like a 60 yeah. Minutes or whatever. And he was working formally under right. Harrison And he Ford. hates him. And he hates him. He's so, the third worst person in the world. Yeah. And so... But again, you expect him to like you almost expect a revelation that like he's the reason she lost her job or something like, you know, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. there's like that kind of angle it takes. And then with Keaton, you would almost expect uh, who is the actress that plays Rachel McAdams mother in the beginning of the movie? Oh, that's that, the worst part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her like it, when you have dreams, it's cute when you're young and then yeah. when you're in college. It's inspiring. I, I can imagine. And then when you're 30, it's embarrassing. I'm like, dude stop yeah like, i can imagine that's something that felt like it played better on the page because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there is i i can see how there's like a refreshing candid air to the that conversation 
um patty darwin yeah it doesn't it doesn't really play well in the movie you're like oh god i mean she's but, a fine actress but the lines themselves yeah, are just kind of but because of that you almost expect them to be like oh and we're gonna make diane keaton like the supportive the mother, mother figure right. no. but they don't they do don't that do and it's you're really right. they do, nice they do kind of subvert you know the hardest thing about this movie is basically the contention right of the whole movie is basically through contract loopholes Becky Fuller, Rachel McAdams, figures out a way to force Mike Pomeroy, who's Harrison Ford. It's a good name for an anchor. Great name. To have to join this fledgling morning show or forfeit like $11 million, right? On the remaining two years of his non- It's basically, yeah, basically. Because he got fired from the nightly news chair. Because he was an asshole. And he's got, yeah. And he's got some great, he's got this great line where like the night before the show, he's getting drunk. And he, he like stands up and he looks at the TV. He's like, he looks at the news anchor for the nightly news. He's like, that's my chair. <laughs> it, yeah. Dude, he is I just, I'm so <laughs> good in this movie. Where then he shows up, he shows up the next morning or whatever. And he's like, he's like. I've won eight Peabody's, a Pulitzer, 16 Emmys. I was shot through the forearm in Bosnia. Pulled Colin Powell from a burning Jeep. I laid a cool washcloth on Mother Teresa's forehead during a cholera epidemic. I had lunch with Dick Cheney. You're here for the money. That is correct. Which I feel like is an in-joke for Harrison Ford. No, because that's Harrison Ford's whole bit with all his late career. I think that's the inspired genius of, of... Not just his performance, but the casting is yeah. that like it is Harrison Ford playing Harrison Ford, right? And it and it, it's like you know whole, Harrison Ford just a grumpy guy, yeah. and it's yeah. and the whole movie is beneath him, and it is frankly, but it oh, but such he a good he and he but he shows up, which is nice. Oh. Like he's not he's not phoning it in, and, the, and like this is the, the wheel. These last two, right? This one and the last one we're going to talk about, yeah. I think are the best examples of not that he I don't know that he's one of these guys that's always phoning it in or whatever. But like, look, when you talk about something like Ender's Game, you know, Ender's Game, he's gruff and he's a general or whatever it is. I don't know that you call that phoning it in, but it's like, was anyone pushing him? Right. Was sure. Any, was anyone off? Like, you know, look, Gavin Hood, whatever. Right. Director. It, you, when you watch the movie, you go. This felt like a wasted opportunity. You know, that's my sure. point. And I think with Morning Glory and then in the Age of Adeline, which we'll talk about, you're getting like, like you're saying, like this little Susone, this little bit of extra. Yeah. That you don't necessarily. He's just, he's, sh- he's showing up a little bit. Anymore. And maybe that's, and I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that's just sort of a relative thing where it's like maybe he's not doing that great of work and we're merely talking about it in the context of him seemingly kind of being asleep at the wheel. But I, I don't think that that's it. It does it does seem like he is showing he is coming to play and he's and he's committing. And I think when you when you get that, particularly in the in the late in the late, you know, well, something later like, movies, example, his, something like Firewall. I was just going to say that's a, a it's not like yeah. he's phoning it in. It's just like all the beats are, you know, what about my family? Yeah. Right. You're just kind of like you've seen no, it. All. There's he's, there's no, you know, and in that movie, for example, sorry, I said for example, twice in a row there, but. In that movie, Paul Bettany 
is wiping the floor with him as the villain. And that's a situation where you kind of go, oh, wow, that wouldn't have maybe happened 10 years earlier. Right. Like Bettany is, and it's is not, really doing some and work. It's, and it's not like a thing where right. it's not like a he's kind of resting on his laurels. Maybe. Yeah. No, that's a good way to put it. He's just he's kind of com- he's comfy. It's like yeah. there's no. Yeah. And it, but it's not as, say, engaging as like that was the a, other as Virginia like, Mattson cash. Yeah. <sighs> Which we talked about Number on our Jim Carrey episode. Yeah. The Oscar nom. Um, the the the, after the Oscar nom. Oh, Sorry. Um, Virginia Mads. No, but it's not, and it's not as engaging as say Air Force One, right? Where he's doing maybe a down the middle performance, but he and you know, and he is maybe getting the you know the floor wiped with them by Gary Oldman but it doesn't feel that way it feels like they're a little more toe for toe to toe and it it feels just a, a little more even handed there um, so i hate to say, i'm i'm looking at his filmography cowboys and aliens mm. do you remember the entertainment week we cover when Indy met Bob, oh, God. you're like, dude, they made a movie we, together in '89. Uh, yeah, called it's like that already happened. <laughs> that fucking already Come happened. Come on. Um, yeah, that's that's trash. Um, um, Expendables three would be an example no, of Mister. What are you doing, Ford? Just saying, yeah, what I'll you, be there. What are you doing? There is a shot in the Expendables three that I think you and I like probably played back like five times when we watched it, where he has like a swizzle stick in his hand oh, yeah. it's like they're at a oh, bar yeah. at the end of the movie and just inexplicably he just sort of like takes a bite of it and just like weirdly leaves the frame he's like clearly just fucking high out of his mind <laughs> like he just has no idea what he's well, let doing me, so let me quickly so okay see i would say see the hell out of morning glory i think it's love yeah is there i mean he and he has i i think there there's you it, know, I it will, culminates in a scene that that he kind of really lovely does little scene at the th- end that that sort of tenderness that i the talked about before scene, yeah it has one of it has a needle drop i love from a song i love um the um uh two sleepy people by hoagie carmichael um when they're uh it's they go back to his apartment the night before the show because Rich oh, yeah. is determined mm-hmm. to make sure he gets to the yeah. show. Great. It's a great song. Yeah. You sleepy people. Yeah, yeah, great song. Anyway, I wanted to quickly shout out, um, just because I've weirdly seen these things. He was in a video short directed by, I believe, his son in the early aughts, um, Willie McMillan. I think, I think that's his... Maybe I'm wrong. But it's a movie called Water to Wine. It's this like video shot black and white thing. He plays this bus driver, uncredited, like absurdist little short. Insane. Okay. But he's in it. <laughs> Just wanted to point it out. It's very weird. And um, another thing I wanted to point out, he loves airplanes. We know that. He's crashed a couple. He's crashed a couple. He Outside nar- of six days, seven nights. He narrated, um, he narrated, a National Geographic hour-long documentary called Living in the Age of Airplanes, which I watched, which is nice. It's kind of a very... Did you fall asleep? I feel like it'd be no, very it's, sleepy. You got, he's got that... Yeah, it's kind of a regal voice. You know, it's a little... He's more... I mean, hey, not to... You not get to him bag, talking about airplanes. Not <laughs> to bag in the Blade Runner voiceover, but more energetic <laughs> than that voiceover um, from the... Uh, he pops record. up also in a uh, in, in in one episode uh, of uh, Young Indiana Jones. Does he? Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he like intros. Sorry, I don't think his son directed that movie Water to Wine, but I believe Malcolm Ford is in it as well. Anyway, it's like a half documentary, half comedy about like snowboarders. You know the classic stuff. Um, 
Random Hearts we didn't talk about. It's another Sidney Pollack movie. I think we'll save it for another B-side. Um, I kind of defend the-, the movie, but it's not. It, like I said, it's it's a little too slow for its own good. Um, you get a young Kate Mara performance. You get a pretty devoted Kristen Scott Thomas performance. Whatever happened to her? I mean, she is in Fleabag and she's great. Yeah, she's yeah. like in arguably the greatest scene ever written in Fleabag. Yeah. Literally, like yeah. that scene between her and Phoebe Waller. And she's amazing. She's like, I've like just rewatched the scene with, every once in a while. And I'm, I guess I'll timestamp this a little bit. But Also, good recent movie, kind of semi-recent with her and Ethan Hawke, The Woman in the Fifth. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see it. Yeah, very good thriller. Talk about Hitchcocky thriller, yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. She's got she's got that vibe to her. Yeah. Um, the I'm gonna I'll timestamp this a little bit. I had a moment like a blank out moment the other day because they just announced that Henry Zerny is gonna be in the new Mission Impossible movies, and for a second I was like, Kittredge. Oh, and for a second I was like, oh, I wish they could bring back Kristen Thomas. and I was like, no, she dies. Oh, she, she dies back. Can they bring back Zerny from Clear and Present Danger? Oh, what yeah. do you think you've got there? Oh, he's so Dude, Zerny was and, yeah. in the 90s. He's good still, ready or not. Still great. Still, good ready still or not. Great. He's good in uh, Sharp Objects. Sharp objects. Yeah. Didn't he's, love that show. No. He's great. He's like one of the better parts about it, actually. Um, he's okay. Great. Let's get to the greatest movie ever made. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the age. Let's We're talk. living in the age. Oh, by the way, the... Uh, the not the age of airplanes. No, 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 no. The But the real quick, the... The Indiana Jones episode is called The Mystery of the Blues. I think is, I'm watch that tonight. He like reminisces. He holds like Ooh. a trumpet in his hand and he like reminisces. It doesn't show like Patrick Flannery plays young Indiana yes. Jones. Yeah, but he, Harrison Ford, like bookends the episode. Um, anyway, sorry. We're going to go to the age. We mentioned yep. that show when we talked about Carrie Fisher. Yes. Who he had an affair with. Shh, 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 don't tell anybody. Um, because she wrote a couple There's of those a, episodes. Yep. Um, okay. So, we're not living in the age of airplanes. We're living in the age of Adeline. And can I tell you something, Dan? When we... It's a golden age. Certainly is. And when we decided to do this episode, I... This movie, I will say, it's technically kind of a hit. Well... Because it only cost... Yeah, it only cost 25 million. So, definitely made it... I mean, I don't know what... Lionsgate... I don't know what the publicity spend was on it necessarily. April but, movie, right? But it it seemingly was not some this kind a, of a huge. This is a I think lovely movie. Right? I I do as well. If 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 Morning Glory is cute, yeah, you call this one. Lovely. I was I, I I really liked this movie when it came out. I was expecting upon the rewatch to not like it very much. Frankly, I was expecting to be sure. like, oh, maybe it's oh, very it was yeah, exactly. um, no, still really like it. I think it's a lo- I think it's a lovely film. It is. Crazy, crazy movie. It's Blake crazy. Lively's best performance. I would agree. Say. I and I say that and I have not yet seen uh, the rhythm section, right? Which is, I guess, no, out I. this past weekend. Uh, Lee Tolan Krieger, uh, who made a indie movie I liked a lot called The Vicious Kind with Adam Scott. He's and great in Britney Snow. Adam Scott is. Yep. Yeah. He also meets Celeste and Jesse Forever with Rashida Jones and Andy Samberg. So he's kind of in that space. Uh, does a lot of TV now. Uh, made the Age of Adeline has. In an impossibly good score from Rob Simonson. Yeah, actually, who is kind of one score. of those guys who's like he's working more now. Yeah, this was earlier on in him being a composer, and it's just a score no, that like it, really it, it, it does come from another place. There's also um, there are a couple things I think this movie uses to its advantage. Um, also, this movie's not based on anything, Love. which feels insane, though. Love. Because this movie feels like it comes from the same, like, it feels like it comes from the same world as, like, say, A Winter's Tale. 
kind of thing right. like that magical realism but like it, it it's such a there's such a specific thing that this movie um well is, it's got it's is got going for pretty fabulous narration as well yes it kind of na- feels well, like the assassination of jesse james there is it the same it is guy? no yeah. that's what okay. i was gonna say it's yeah, the yeah. same narrator and i think it's one of the things that the movie yeah, Hugh ross right yeah right, right. that the movie uses to its advantage because i i think you know if if you've uh i mean chances are if you listen to this podcast you like the film stage you know that we at the film stage love the assassination of jesse james um so you've probably maybe probably seen it um Th- that narration and this, I, I think it fits into something like this so well because that dude's voice, you just, you want to hear him tell you just right. an old Hugh, Hugh story. Ross, who is an editor. Is he really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And um, he, you know what he would be great for? I feel like this is a thing that comes up a lot um, whenever people talk about the mission movies is people talk about like, you know, narrating the the videos right like narrating the mission video the debriefing videos and right, 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 right. he's got that kind of like yes sort of droll but still kind of engaging voice um totally. anyway he what did tell us tell us tell us what you're going to tell us and then tell us what the age of adeline is about no no that's i was just going to leave it so he he sort of brings us into this story um basically uh blake lively plays a woman named adeline bowman who was is born on january 1st 1903 i believe right um i believe so i will fact check you and um as if it's a she's a real human um yes indeed so she's born in 1903 she essentially you know grows up in and around uh san francisco i believe and which is a majority of where this movie takes place um, she grows up in San Francisco, meets a man, falls in love, um, has a daughter, and driving home one night. She was the first baby born in San Francisco on New, Year, New Year's Day, 1908. Oh, 1908. Yes, Thank indeed, you. Yes, Sorry. Um, and she gets in a car accident, essentially falls into not really a lake or a pond it's sort of this a like freezing river yeah it's sort of like a because it's semi shallow like the car doesn't right. doesn't sink but she is under the water and the movie proceeds to relate to you exactly what goes on in very specific detail in just this like i i love it it's like so insane but it basically uh you know what actually i'm gonna drop in what happens to her right here the immersion in the frigid water caused Adeline's body to go into an anoxic reflex, instantly stopping her breathing and slowing her heartbeat. Within two minutes, Adeline Bowman's core temperature had dropped to 87 degrees. Her heart stopped beating. At 8.55, a bolt of lightning struck the vehicle, discharging half a billion volts of electricity and producing 60,000 amperes of current. Its effect was threefold. First, the charge defibrillated Adeline Bowman's heart. Second, she was jolted out of her anoxic state. Third, 
based on von Lehmann's principle of electron compression in deoxyribonucleic acid, which will be discovered in the year 2035. Adeline Bowman will henceforth be immune to the ravages of time. She will never age another day. And now you know. And now she you, will never age and, again. And now she will not. She because of that, all that magic, uh, she will never age again. And um, essentially, from there, it kind of briefly turns into sort of a little bit of a thriller because you get the idea that in the height of sort of the Red Scare of the fifties, she is sort of being pursued by the FBI as you get the idea that they're kind of onto her and would like to study her and prod her and all that kind of stuff. And so she basically goes on the run, assumes other identities, realizes she has to leave her daughter behind her daughter. She, right. Cause like at this point it's the fifties and she's been 29 for going on. Yeah. 20 and it, and it, you know, it's the, 15 there are scenes where she gets stopped by you're like, no, other no, friends. Why? How do you look so young? Yeah, she's like, like, Oh, you're flattering me. They're like, no, no. Why? Actually, yeah, how? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she basically uh, decides that she has to go. Right. So she then sort of lives a life on the run. We are, um, we are brought sort of back to the present, present day San Francisco. She works, uh, I believe, for some sort of like historical society. She essentially is. She, no, she works for the library. Is that what it is? Yeah, she like works for the library and is helping them with archiving. Archiving, right. right. And that's sort of what, what creates this sort of walk down memory lane that kind of gives yeah. us all the exposition. And um, in in doing all this, she sort of we're given a glimpse into how lonely her life is. Um, Ellen Burstyn uh, plays her daughter, who I actually think is really wonderful. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I I pretty much think everybody in this movie is doing good work. Totally. I don't I don't really think there's a bad performance. I think in the, the movie. sneaky MVP, um, if if Harrison Ford and Blake Lively are kind of the all stars, the sneaky MVP is Kathy Baker, who plays Harrison Ford. Yeah, wife. she's got a she's hand, an amazing. Actress. She, she's got she really doesn't have like a ton of scenes to work with, but she really makes him count. I think. Um, but basically Adeline is, you know, she is now being urged by her daughter who's played by Ellen Burstyn, um, to, you know, to stop running and to just meet someone and like settle down and deal with it. And obviously Blake Lively does not want to because, because of the complications of even if, even if she were to find someone who would accept her for who she is, you know, she would still have to just watch that person die. Right and 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 go through it all over. Again. There was a scene with a dog that oh, breaks my heart. heart. I forget about it. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh. I did the exact same thing, dude. I totally forgot oh. that I was like, oh no. Uh, spoiler alert: She has a dog that dies, and it's, <sighs> and it's very sad. Um, but it is. I mean, it's a nice scene because it is this microcosmic moment of exactly what her greatest fear is. Right. Yeah. Um, not good at coping. Doesn't seem like she's well, great. And, like not. At, her, I mean, she's reliving. Like yeah. how many dogs has she had? I. Well, that's a weird thing about the dog scene that I, I kind of thought of while I was rewatching this is that like, not to be shitty, but I feel like if you're 112 years old or whatever she is by the time this movie comes out. Yeah, but you got to think it's all she has. I guess so, but you're not used to it at that point. Like you don't yeah, but know it's all that she's she gonna. Has, I, I get. My point is, she's not good at coping. She's a very old woman. She's, she's lived woman. through a lot. Yeah. Um. But anyway, she meets a man on new year's eve yeah lovely scene they have a meet cute in an elevator uh i will i wanted to ride 27 floors with you yeah oh good line yeah it's good there line. Are, I, I will say if you if i were to 
feel the criticism. I don't really care because I just I sort of love how sweeping and sweeping and romantic this movie is. I will say from a dialogue standpoint, there are lines that are very much like lines. You know what I mean? It's like they're yes. not they're not things that people say. But it's still just nice. To, I don't know. It's nice to hear. And uh, this man is his name is Ellis. And like the line, actually, there's a line where they introduce each other, and he's like, "I'm Ellis," and she's like, "Oh, like the island?" And he's like, "No, man, is." And it's like, "What the fuck? Dude, is that's that? bad. What is not that? Great. What even is that? Shut not up. a great line." Here's the thing that I love is he, yeah, he being uh, Michael Huisman. Is that yes. how you pronounce his name? I don't. It might be Michelle Huisman. Oh, I can, okay. I can confirm while you can. Um, if I've mispronounced it, I apologize, but uh, you would re- obviously recognize him as Dario Naharis. He's, right. he's a Dutch actor. Yeah, uh, Dario Naharis from the majority of Game of Thrones. He actually came in to replace another actor. Um, and uh, and he was also more recently uh, re- very good in The Haunting of Hill House. On right. Netflix. And he's, that's right, he's that's right, that's right. very good. He's the oldest son in that show. Um and he's and he's very good. Um, he is um, he is exceedingly handsome in this movie. I Mikhail Heisman. Mikhail Mikhail Heisman. Yeah. Okay. Close. All right. Um, We're close. Somebody somewhere on the Mikhail internet is like, "You're wrong." Um, it's fine. Why are you terrible? It's fine. Um, but he's. I, I think. I think he is by and large very charming in this movie. Yeah. And I think what works, what works about him and his character in this movie that I think, you know. I, it, it it is kind of interesting how much how much uh, sort of the politics of all this have changed even from 2015 to now because I feel like from a 2020 lens it's he's his character is a little bit of a toughie because he is a very rich philanthropist uh, and I think mm-hmm. his character is the outside of obviously the the fantastical conceit of the movie right. um i think his character is the closest character that is like plucked from a romance novel because he right. is like just the idea like he is just a rich man with a good heart who is extremely handsome right and there is i think in his attempts to woo adeline after their meet cute um there is a a brazenness and a pushiness to it that I think doesn't necessarily play well. And I, the, 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 I think the needle that this movie threads with their sort of burgeoning romance is that she's 112 years old and is just clearly like, she is not going to be won over by his charms in terms of like the games that he's playing. So when he has lines in response to his name, you know, that it's like, no man is right. It's like, she knows she can't she's, like, she's like, she's well, like this fucking guy. And, and, her, I, and I think and it look, makes it her, all work really well. Her, I think in a lot of respects, Blake Lively has never gotten a crazy amount of credit. I think she, I'm not saying she's, you know, the greatest actress in the world or whatever. She hasn't had, you know, she's still so young and there, she hasn't really been in that many movies, but this performance is very impressive because it's one of those things like she she is stunning. She's young, right? In this movie, of course. But she plays it with this delicacy, this care, this observation, mm-hmm. this wisdom that feels very, it feels a little manufactured, but in the way 
that your grandparents can feel that way. Sure. Like that idea of like taking your time. Like, yeah. And, and considering your words, right? Like, yeah. you know, maybe some older people can maybe go the other way and become a little bit more manic and a little bit more whatever scattershot. But it can go the other way too, where it can be, you know, that idea of like, a you know, a wise soul, yeah. what have you. She's a, she, she's very really like reserved, well very thoughtful. Really well done. And I, to your point, I think, I, I, I think it's in a way that might not necessarily work if you are considering that these are supposed to be real people. Right. right. But it's a romance. I don't, you know what I mean? Like in the, in the context of what this movie actually is, I think it, it fits perfectly. And I agree with you. I think it's a, I think it's her best performance by like a mile. I'll defend her um, performance in the town till the cows come home. But yeah, this it, is her best performance. It's just, it's also, I think a little bit more and we talk about this a lot, but it's, it, it is a reserved, like normal performance. There is nothing showy about it. It is no. a very quiet performance. I, I would agree with you. I think it's very impressive. Um, but basically as they go on, she decides to give them a, a it's a, what's the phrase I'm thinking of basically a, against her better judgment kind of right. in terms of keeping her life a secret. She, yeah, she sort of heeds the advice of Ellen Burstyn and decides to give him a chance. And, uh, and, and they, they sort of have a, a whirlwind courtship falls. He invites her to his parents' house, not too far away from San Francisco because it's their anniversary that weekend. And it turns out now, hang on. I will say this. This is a little bit of a spoiler. But I do think we need to talk about it. So I will say, okay. if you have not we'll seen Age of Adeline, jump ahead to two hours, 15 minutes and 15 seconds, where we will finish out talking about the episode. But from here on out, we are going to just spoil it uh, pretty significantly. So they they get to the house, uh, Adeline and her new boyfriend, Ellis, and her, it turns out his father is Dr. William Jones, who was her second love following the death of her husband after she no longer aged. And the only person that she ever told her real name to ever since she never, she no longer aged. And the, like the day that Dr. William Jones was going to propose to Adeline Bowman, like overseas, because he was like a soldier and whatnot, uh, she ran away, and, uh, and and he never saw her again. That guy is played by Harrison Ford, right? And obviously, Dr. Jones being a very direct reference to Indiana Jones, what have you. Anyway, she shows up, and Harrison Ford, in really one of the better reactions it's, in his career, yeah, no, is it, like, Adeline, like he, yeah. like, it's very, I'll, I mean. I'll put that, I'll sim- put that moment. I'll put that moment right here. Where you been? Would you forget where we live? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, this is my dad, William. Dad, this is Adeline. Uh, Jenny, actually. Dad, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just you look exactly like this old friend of mine, um, Adeline Bowman. That's my mother. You're joking. You really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Did you know her? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
We were very close. I, 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 I knew her in London. Yeah, yes, she, she lived there in, in the 60s, right before she um, moved to Paris and, and met my father. Incredible. <laughs> what what are the odds? Wow. Wow. The resemblance is, is absolutely amazing. You must hear that all the time. For as long as I can remember. Wow. We were very close. You, you said that already, honey. I, I can't believe you never mentioned her. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I must have. Just... No, no. No, I remember your close, close how, how friends. Is she? How's she doing? She passed away six years ago. No, really? Oh, wow. I'm so sorry. Um. Extraordinary woman. Not unlike to your point earlier, uh, Blade Runner 2049, it's basically a 40-minute performance, very supporting performance, but really effective. Like, So all of a sudden, you're at this house. You have Harrison Ford. You have Kathy Baker. You have uh, Amanda Crew, who you might know from um, Silicon Valley as the daughter. You have uh, Mikhail Huisman and... Blake Lively, right? It's the five of them. They're at the house. And all of a sudden, it's like Harrison Ford is... So basically, he recognizes Adeline and she's like, in the moment, realizing who he is, she says, oh, that was my mother, right? right? And so then you have, in this like kind of sad, bittersweet way, Harrison Ford's character just reflecting on, oh, yeah. your mother. Like, it, all, it all comes and, you know, and back. Kathy and Kathy Baker feels this weird... They've been married 40 years. This yeah. is their anniversary weekend. She feels jealous of this woman who... Adeline says has passed away. Yep. Who she didn't even know. Who she didn't know existed. existed. Yeah. Um, he's an astronomer. And then you come to find out uh, there's this comet. He's been waiting. This is a little sweaty. But That's, this, is where, this is where the movie does have like he a was ton of plates in this, yeah. Yeah. He was studying this comet that he thought was going to be a near miss and just past Earth. Just past, uh, past, sorry, past Earth. And... Um, he named it Della, which was the quote unquote nickname that Adeline's friends gave her, which was yeah. like the pseudonym she was going by. Yeah. And so you learn that like he's never, he's always wondered what happened to her, right? And all this. He's this lovely scene with Kathy Baker where she's like, yo, like, what's up? Like, mm-hmm. what, you know, what am I second to fiddle to this person I didn't know about? And he has, he's like, baby, please, like, you know, 40 years. Like, yeah, I know. And it's, it's a great, it's a very good scene. The, the whole thing, and I mentioned this to you earlier, but the, the whole reason I think this is just such a, it is such a keyed in pitch perfect performance from him is that one, when she comes through the door and he has that moment where he is floored, it it is the it is to me the most accurate representation of of like a hypothetical feeling, right? right. Like anybody who has had a, a, a romantically speaking has had a person who got away or whatever it is at some point in your life, you always either have had a version of this moment or have just wondered what would it be like if I, if I saw this person again and what would that feel like? And would that person just like stop me in my tracks and destroy me or yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. And whatever that sort of overly romanticized feeling is, 
Ford like encapsulates in this one moment. Right. And it's it's the moment that I like I like liked this movie going through it. I was like, this is nice, this is charming. When's Harrison Ford gonna show up? Because that's really why I'm here. Blah blah blah. You're blah, basically blah. an hour in. Yeah, and, 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 and he basically shows he is the third act of the movie, yeah. essentially. And uh and and it's it's it was at least for me when I first saw this movie. It was such a treat because I was just kind of like I was waiting for him to just kind of sleep through it. Like I wasn't, right? You know what I mean? You're just waiting for you're you're just there for four. It's whatever, and then to actually see him deliver this like really human, really wonderful thing, I was just like, oh yeah. And wow. I don't know. I was so funny. struck and by it's, it. You know, at at you know he was however old. I mean, he's seventy seven now, so he would have been you know early seventies when they filmed this. You know, to have an actor of his you know accomplishments. Like we said, he could rest on his laurels and no one, I mean, it would be fine. No, but right? the, I mean, he, he showed up. To have him, and also not only did he show up, but he's playing a role he's never really played before. Like like the elements he's touching in this little performance, I don't know that he ever he He's like a touches. nerdy, quiet, like lovelorn. Yeah, I uh, mean, he's just like a good dad, nerdy guy yeah. who is confronted with his past in this very literal way. Yeah, and, and she, and but credit back to Lively. She bounces the ball back really, uh, you know, admirably. And they they are the two stars for 40 minutes. They're the two stars of the movie. And things get a little, you know, whatever. They get a little silly at the end. And I mean, it's, it's full on melodrama. Yeah. And obviously there's the weirdness of the fact that like, you know, straight up she is having sex with. Yeah, her lost love's son. That's why I wanted to spoil this because it is yeah. something the the sort of sexual politics of the third act yeah. are something totally yeah. worth, worth talking about because this movie is ins- it's insane. Now remember, we're in the age of Adeline. Sure, of so course. the rules change. It's the dawning of the age of Adeline. Adeline. The age of Adeline. Wow, that's a, anyway, that was very good. Uh, thank you. Um, but it, it it is like a. <laughs> I mean, it is funny. I, I mentioned to you, I was like, oh, so this is basically a remake of Last Crusade because it's about a Dr. Jones who sleeps with the same woman as his son. Love it. That's basically it. So um, as you know, that is all that Last Crusade is about. But um, I was the next man. Yeah, which is a, actually, you want to talk about amazing Harrison Ford scenes. That scene in Last Crusade on the plane. She talks in her sleep. Is, uh, oh, that's gross. Um but that was a good Sean Connery though for a second though. Good job, buddy. No take. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, no, I mean it's it's weird and it's gross, and I think the craziness of this movie is that it does not really at any point attempt to explore it right. as the complicated thing that it yes. is. It which is I think frankly smart. I think it's smart. I do also think that it is it is such a big swing to ignore yeah. that for the people who are detractors of this movie. It's like I, if Douglas I, Sirk did like a fantasy thing. So, sort of, right, yeah, 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 yeah. That's no, what, that's, that's, a, that's a really good comparison. It's just like, I mean, it is just, it, it is bananas. It is like a a different director, this would turn into a different movie, yeah. right? Like where and look, would, Lee Tolan Crager, who he said, it kind of, he was going to do the final um Divergent sequel, remember that oh, thing? Okay, and then it got shut down because the one before it didn't make a lot of money, what mm-hmm. have you. So he, like I said, he hasn't really done the next big thing. He's really. done a lot of TV. He's done some TV, yeah. um, and you know all that. But 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, he is a producer on the hit show You. Yeah, which is like a huge show. Right? But that's so that's kind of interesting, right? Similar weird, yeah. Because you, right, you're you're right, walking right. this this weird tightrope of. He's directed, you're right. He's directed a lot of Riverdale. Yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, you. So the pilot you, of you, you wow. I have to wonder if them not fully diving into the sexual dynamics in the third act of this movie are. Is is like a him choice or a Lionsgate choice or whoever it is because like yeah. it it does feel like just such a weird thing to not it's such a gigantic elephant in the room so much so that the movie no one in the movie even addresses it like yeah, they kind it, of they they literally cut around it in the sense that basically as the melodrama and Cirque is such a is such a perfect uh analogy comparison right like, yeah i mean at it, least stylistically you yeah know, the, it, the cultural it, subversions aren't quite no here, but, the, but 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 in terms of the genre it's yeah. it totally and is. the look i mean there's yeah. such a drippy thing happening i will say i will say this movie uh at least reported budget cost 25 million dollars yeah, it looks, looks great it looks like 50 it looks great. it's it's a it very beautiful i think a very beautiful movie very classical it's a classical movie yeah. i mean you know look i mean you know you know to bring it back real quick basically she um all of the things that, you know, she runs away amidst the melodrama of it all. Uh, there is kind of, I mean, again, it's a very rote moment, but I kind of love it is, you know, Harrison Ford sees uh, Michael, Michael, who's in outside, right? And he needs the keys to the car. And Harrison Ford is like, do you love her? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, how do you know? He's like, because nothing makes sense without her. And Harrison Ford doesn't say anything. She tosses them the keys. Yeah. And, that's, and it's like, it is a very much like son, dad, like yeah, moment, yeah. whatever. Give me now, a father, give me a son. Now it's gross because they've both had the sex group. with the same yeah. woman. And it's, the, what's weird is I the, was is, the next is the man. Right. Is, and, but what's weird is it's the conceit of the movie that makes that allowed, I think. Sure. Right. Where it's like, She's not. I mean, and again, there. I will say, she's 113. This movie, this movie. I don't think Ellis, when he's courting her, quite gets to this part. But you almost half expect him to. This movie, in their courtship, teeters on like the you're not like other girls, right? Like yeah. it's a. What, what, I, and again, there's right. a little bit of that. I think again, what makes it work is her character is clearly just so above. Well, yeah, his whole thing. Like, she's he's just like, trying to impress her with his smarts, and yeah. instead she impresses him with her. Right, smarts. which in its own way is kind of like, yeah. nah, but fine. A so, smart girl. What? There's the whole thing right. with uh, what is it, Pete uh, Williams, right? In the picture. And oh Ted. no no P will Ted Williams Ted Williams sorry yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing with Ted she's Williams. like slugger four oh six career batting yeah and like, and he's like, well, you're not yeah. like other girls right, right. Uh, but I mean this movie sort of does all that without having to actually say it sort I don't know if it quite gets away with it but similarly that carries through to the relationship between him and Harrison Ford because it is this thing where it's like okay well my dad and I had he's the x amount of years older than me. We had sex with the same woman when we were the same age, right. right? This is all weird. It's just a gigantically weird situation, right? I don't know if this movie needs that scene where he has that moment of revelation where he doesn't like, give it to you. Where he, it certainly doesn't because she runs away. She gets essentially reverse electrocuted 
right? Like, you know, so, uh, some version. It'll happen. Yeah, so, some version of what happens uh, in the beginning of the movie happens again. And she dies, but they they defibrillate, defibrillate her and they, you know, they bring her to the hospital and she survives. And then she's going out one last. She's going out with Miguel Heisman. And what does she see? Ingrams. And then one last little thing. The comet. The comet. Della. Finally. Like the last shot of it's this crying. movie is a comet. And it reminded me space. of Men, Women, and Children, where yeah. like it opens with a satellite. No, it's, it's, it's very similar. Much better. No, Men a million percent. But it's got that same sort of cosmic it vibe to it. It's Dan Mecca. Well, and baby. all these, it's funny. Yeah. In different ways, all these movies kind of are. are right? Sure. Six Days, Seven Nights, Morning Glory. There's that. You know, Morning Glory has the um, is the closest you'll get to... Uh, slapstick right you know like i mean it is not a preston sturgis movie but that is you know Mm -hmm. that type of stuff is what you're getting watered down this is a watered you know we're we're not you you could you would almost imagine if morning glory was made decades ago yeah it would be spencer tracy and Catherine hepburn and and baxter or like you know like there's like like a a movie there's this movie switching channels right from the late 80s that is not a good movie with christopher reeve and um burt reynolds and um Oh my gosh, uh, Body Heat. Uh, Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. Yeah. Who it's, they're basically doing, um, I think they're doing, like it happened one night or something like that. It's like a, it's like a television. Was like His Girl Friday, like that kind of a thing? It's like a, it's basically like a, uh, television oh the, sorry the front page oh yeah right, which is right, his right, girlfriend right. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah thank you thank you yeah, yeah. it's yeah it's it's like but set in the world of television in the 80s right and it's very weak and so broadcast news like what <laughs> right no no it, it's like the same year yeah it's like the not broadcast news interesting line. so my point is simply morning glory is almost like the better version of that which is the lesser version yeah. of the front, maybe right? if we do a burt reynolds episode we'll talk that. about that burt reynolds made i mean you can't so, imagine king of them probably I mean, dude, i've seen like you know Oof. I mean, he, he watched. It a he went through. You watched like all of his movies. Didn't you? I watched a lot of them. I yeah. watched all the ones he directed, and a couple of them are good. You have kind of a Sharky's machine. You have this. The granted, I feel like a lot of people do this, but I feel like of my personal friends, you're like the only one I know who does this. Where if like somebody dies, that maybe I do. do you this, didn't. Yeah. You like didn't maybe I pay do, enough yeah, attention do, to. Do, do you then go and you watch. I did it for Garner. Yeah, and you did and it, I did for it for Reynolds, Reynolds. to a, to a degree. Um, yeah, you watched the like City Heat. Yeah, with him and uh, Clint Eastwood, you know, like crazy right. stuff. Yeah, um, which you know, whatever, it leads you to cool stuff. He would be yeah. a cool episode. I bet it almost would be. We need to get like a Burt Reynolds expert or something. If we know, yeah, if anybody out there is a, is us a Burt Burt head, hit us up. Um, Let me ask you your favorite of these four: Mosquito Coast, right? I mean, oh no, no, hundred. I mean, I mean yeah, it it's yeah. it's. I think objective. Second favorite, uh, in terms of Ford or the movie, the movie. Frantic, right? I mean, it's almost they almost uh, it's, go it's in sort of, chronological order. I like I, I, I like Adeline more than Six Days and Morning Glory, so I'd probably go Mosquito Coast, Frantic, Age of Adeline, uh, Six Days, Morning Glory. Wow, Morning Glory last. Yeah, yeah. But I liked it, but I, again, I, I like all three. I liked of the last ones kind of similarly. Yeah. Um, I will say I don't know, like I don't need in terms of future forward. I mean. 
Look, I think we've kind of got every version, I think, of a thing. Look, so Call of the Wild is about to be out. Yeah, yeah. If I it's mean, not out right. That, that feels right right up his alley. That feels right up his alley. Hopefully it's good. Maybe Indy 5. Yeah, I will say the one thing we didn't get, and you brought it up a little quickly, briefly before, um, that we almost got, and then the movie fell apart and then came back together as a movie that fell apart again, is he almost collaborated full on with Paul Schrader in the dying, dying of, of the, the light, light. Yeah. um and that version of that movie fell apart and it became the version with nicholas cage that and anton yelson r.i.p that then yeah. re fell apart and they all everybody involved like denounced yeah, the movie, basically. the basically um, um so i would say if I also wanted, he dropped out of traffic right famous sure it, it, michael I, douglas replaced him i would two say weeks before filming. i would say if i if there's something he has not yet done that i want it's not really so much in a performance thing but i i I would love to see him collaborate with Paul Schrader. Like I would love yeah, I mean, to see what that well, Mosquito Coast, right? What that to do it again. Um yeah. I also think, and I say this a lot, it's I feel like it's a default answer. So I'm sorry. I do think even if it was in like a quick supporting role, I think he'd be a really good Malik actor. I know. I mean, it's got a lot of I just miles like on his there face. There was a part for him in Thin Red Line that you know what I mean, right? Like, sure. I mean, sure. imagine him as the Nick Nolte role, or him as maybe like Brian Dennehy in Night of Cups. Oh my god! Right, like something like Stop that. It. Um, yeah, he could be Wes Bentley and Christian Bale's dad for sure. Sure, whatever. Yeah, I will say going back to Age of Adeline real quick, real quickly. Good uh, gr- really good casting. Like well, he Anthony looks like Gruber, he's their son, right? Oh, and, is, yeah. We didn't like, talk about Anthony. Well, yeah, he just he's, he looks exactly yeah, like Harrison Ford. To the degree where you're like, did God just make this? No, good? like who did Harrison Ford have an affair with? Like he is Harrison Ford's so illegitimate son. It's crazy. His, and I, th- I think they went viral at the time, but his audition tapes for uh, for Age of Are Adeline just him doing. Are him doing scenes. Like Han Solo. Yeah, Han yeah, Solo yeah, yeah, and yeah. Indiana Jones and stuff. Which is funny because then obviously they make a young Han Solo movie. And people like lobbied for him. They were, were like, like, hey were, man, this inter- guy's like, right here. Yeah. Reddit was like, hey, what, what about him? Uh, and no, I'm going to. You needed that white, no, look, hot heat. <laughs> look, we got Alden Ehrenreich. I actually like of Alden Ehrenreich. Ehrenreich. <laughs> so uh, do I. So I do think I. he, uh, I, I, you know, he was never going to survive that movie. I will never I do think fully he does a appreciate job. Or understand the, well, I'm not going to say Chewbacca every time. We're going to cut it down to Chewy. And it's like, it's a syllable. <laughs> right? Chewbacca is three yeah, syllables. Sure. Chewy's two. I'm just I, saying. I mean, also, Chewy just feels more. I guess. Feels like more I'm like what you would call your buddy, right? You have no family. Han <laughs> Solo. Solo? Yeah, that wasn't great. Yeah, um, that's t- <laughs> There are parts of Solo that are okay. Okay, so any last things? I mean, he's older, right? So, like you said, it's, I mean, how much more much... are we gonna get? I don't even. I know. want. I mean, look, I want Indy Five. Okay, actually, real quick, let's play a fun game. What What is your? What do you think Indy Five is? What's like the good well, version of it? So consider okay, the so consider the age. Seven, yeah, the consider script, the age. Apparently, right? They're still working on right because like something. I mean, eternally, in, I don't. They didn't love it. Whatever. So let's assume. They approve one this year, right? The year 2020. He's going to turn 78, right? So fine. The cameras roll. 2021. 2021, right? Mm-hmm. As, at its earliest, right? right. Assuming Spielberg is doing it, what have you. So he's going to be on set 79. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. So I think at that point, but at the same time, he's in this fucking Call of the Wild movie where it seems like he's running all over the place. So who yeah. knows? But okay, let's assume. He's also in, like, for instance, when he... When he reprises, 
you know, Deckard and Han Solo, right? Like, obviously old. Not a ton is required of him. And he's on, or two. Yeah, and he's on screen, sort I, of a, a I would, merciful I would, So time. the way that I would do Indy 5, and look, I, this is me speaking as someone who liked Crystal Skull, right? Sure. Like the monkey swinging, not great, what have you. But by and large, I'm a big fan. I love the nuke the fridge, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Those things are death traps, bro. Which was a fucking real thing, by the way. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> they were linoleum lined. Um, lead. Lead line. Lead line. That's what I have to say. Lead line. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so if I were doing Indy five, I would do it. You would have to do it where he's kind of in a Marcus Brody role. That's, I, that's, and you go like, he gets that one last thing and he's like, Oh, I gotta go. Get but it. you need to, I mean, at this, it's and, a little weird. I mean, I guess you, you like, can't bring back LaBeouf. Cause yeah, I was just going to say, it's fine. a little weird, but so assuming you find a way around that completely, you need a, I, I saw people bandy about like different names online, like you know some people. Well, were, like, Chris Pratt, obviously, right? But no, no, no but people were like, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool if you had like Tessa Thompson be somebody?" Right, who, right. So assume it's even something like that. But you need like a good. You, my point is, younger you get him person back out to the field, but yeah. but he's being helped with by somebody. You know what I mean? Which in yeah. a way is you know like similar to Crystal Skull. So I, I'm not saying I need any. Mm. I'm just saying I'm one of these people. You guys, you, all you mother effers got nine Star Wars movies plus 75 spinoffs and Baby Yoda. I'm just asking for <laughs> one, one more Indiana I, Jones. I, think, I agree. I think the way to do it, frankly, would be to steer it in the world of, you know, you bring it into 6970. You bring it into straight up Bridge of Spies territory and and you somehow like... And you somehow, yeah, whatever the MacGuffin is that you find, you, right. know, you, you tie, keep it with the Russians. You, you know, you, you tie it. that into it. You could, and again, because it'd be the '60s into the '70s, you can even, even if it is, if it is like a Tessa Thompson thing, you bring like civil rights movement, post civil rights yeah. movement into it. Things that, you know, put it of the time, right? Like that, that kind of thing. I think you, I think there's a lot historically going on there still that you could, you could make a compelling fun, even obviously an even more so fish out of water movie where it's like, what if he's, what if he finds himself in one scene, like in London in the sixties yeah. and just like imagine Indiana Jones in that, in like a swingers club, right? Like that. I mean, that, I like, feel like that'll never happen. But hey, we can. But doesn't that feel like a Spielbergian joke? Yeah, that would just be wonderful. Yeah. Like I would love. I, it. Yeah. There, anyway, uh, it'll never happen. It's fine. Um, so, you know, but we got what we got. We enjoy what we got. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Follow us. Yeah. Uh, at TFSB site. Yeah, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scruffy Looking. You can also find us. Well, we're now on Facebook at TFSB side. Um, so you can find us there as well. Um, I'm at DJ Mecca. You know, give us a rating, give us a review, tweet us, let us know please do, who please you do. want us to cover. Yeah. What you want us to cover. Um, we got fun ones coming up. We, yeah, we have a, a few fun ones on the Do we want to talk about what they would be? We, one, I will say we're, that's in the works. Um, we are going to be doing another two parter this year. Hell yeah. Uh, for the release of No Time to Die, we are going to do, we're planning a two part indie meat and bomb. Yeah. We're planning a two part James Bond themed episode where we will cover a D side from every actor who has played. James Bond, so that we, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to. Hope we can make that happen. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's that's about that. I will say we've gotten, you know, 
we've gotten what we've gotten from Harrison Ford. That's the good news. The bad news is that we're going to be here for a long, 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 long time. Long. Long.